Online learning, social distancing, masking, and isolation have all made being a teenager during this pandemic a trying and often depressing experience. And then moving to the new school in the middle of the pandemic was, I would say, insane because it's so hard to connect with people and make new friends. That's Carissa Lunty talking about her junior year at Northwest High School in Jefferson County, Missouri. And this is Savannah Darner, who's now in her junior year there. As teenagers, we all have slumps. We all don't want to get out of bed or we don't want to go to school that day. Savannah says she struggled with remote learning and with being stuck at home for so long, but then she had a revelation. I realized, why do I want to sleep all the time? Why do I want to be in bed instead of be at school or hang out with my family? It gave me a whole different perspective on things, to not take things for granted, to use what you have. Both Savannah Darner and Carissa Lunty are now back in the classroom full-time in new roles. They are part-time employees of the Northwest School District. They're two of 11 high school students hired by the district to help fill in gaps from staff shortages. Jobs include cleaning, helping with food prep in the cafeteria, and watching young students in an after-school program called Lion Care. That's the job Carissa's doing, along with an adult team leader and another student. So I want to be a teacher, and so when I heard about what Lion Care was, I thought that would be a very interesting way to get, like, acquainted with the district and to get a good experience with students and, like, how it would feel like to be a teacher. When we're inside, I enjoy, like, coloring with them um, and just talking to them. When we're outside, I'll usually hang out on the swings with them or I'll play, like, basketball or foursquare. So I get off around dinner time, so I'm able to come home and have dinner with my family and then go out and do stuff with my friends after dinner. But like when I was working at food service, there'd be times where I'd work a 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift. And so like that was just crazy. For Savannah Darner, the flexible hours are much better than the last job she had in retail. So it was pretty a ways away from home. And it was rough on my car and it was rough on me. I wouldn't get home until 11.30, 12 o'clock most nights. So it was pretty rough because I didn't have no time to get ready for the next day or um, have something to do in my free time. And I definitely didn't have enough time to do homework. Savannah says she likes to clean. So she shows a custodial job at the school district. And she likes it. Homework isn't a problem. It helps that I have a study hall at school. So it's pretty easy for me to balance. And I don't get off really late. I mean, five hours here is only like eight. So it's it's honestly not that bad, but eight o'clock is whenever every, all of the kids lay down at my house. So I would like to be home to spend time with my little nephew. This job has definitely given me a different perspective on how I used to look at things. How do I put this? Um, when I was younger, I didn't really look out for other people as much as I do now. I was a very selfish person when I was younger, but now I feel like my eyes have opened and this job makes me feel like I'm giving back to the community that I took so much from. They're just really great people. I, I see things from a different side now. 
An administrator for the Northwest School District says their student employment program hasn't completely solved the district staffing needs. They plan to continue it for as long as they can. And Savannah Darner likes the sound of that. School feels like home eventually, just because you've been there so long. And yeah, from time to time I say, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. I just want to go home. But when it's summertime, I'm like, what am I missing? That's Savannah Darner. We also heard from Carissa Lunty. They are both students and employees at Northwest Schools in Missouri. They spoke to us for our series, Outbreak Voices. College don't mean shit. More than a million students held off from going to college in this pandemic. But there are some bright spots happening at community colleges. Some programs in skilled trades like construction, HVAC, and automotive repair are seeing an uptick in enrollment. In some places, it's as high as 40% more. In Waco, Texas, at Texas State Technical College, groups of students in a framing class are building sheds in a warehouse-like classroom. Um, we're in the stage of putting our ridge board on and putting our rafters up so that way we can have a roof. Student Lisa Aloniz and her team are surrounding the structure, some cutting new wood, others up on ladders. An instructor notices something isn't right. Uh-huh. Go to the other side. See what you got on the other side. They've made a measurement error. They'll need to fix it to proceed. Your plywood's not cut out enough. You, you got to cut that plywood out more. Yeah, it's got to be out of there's all those different like components that fall into place and it's confusing to learn like everything at first but it's definitely easier as you're seeing it and you're doing hands-on like that helps so much more. This hands-on element, that's why Lisa is in this program instead of doing just online classes. She's one of the few women in the program. She grew up around job sites with her dad and his sandblasting business and helping him put up drywall on various projects. There's so much work like in the trades and like I don't want to be out on a job site doing all the labor work like I want to be running it but I have to learn the basics to it first before I can do that. The demand, the demand is huge. Tony Chaffin leads the construction program here in Waco. We have contractors calling us weekly. Do you have anybody that can work? Do you have somebody that can fog a mirror? <laughs> I mean they just want people. The folks currently working in construction are also aging out. Chaffin points to building inspectors as an example. The average building inspector is about 58 years old. So they're leaving faster than they're coming in. As students rethink the value of college, there's a major opportunity in two-year degrees and certificates in skilled trades. The jobs we'll need in the next 10 years, many of them don't need a bachelor's degree. Some may even make six figures. And a growing number of people without a bachelor's degree are now out-earning those with one. We're at Northern Virginia Community College in their automotive program. We are standing outside a bay. It is filled with cars. And there are students here who are practicing skills on the cars. They're testing out brakes. They're checking to make sure the tires are weighted correctly. They're learning how to repair cars. And we'll get... The needle on zero. Uh, it's kind of tricky. Here on one of the campuses outside Washington, D.C., the pandemic has turbocharged enrollment in this program. Students have migrated from the hospitality industry to Nova's car repair program. So if I lift up, we're on 10, 
We push down, we're on zero. So we set it up on zero, and then we pull it as far as it'll move, and that's our total amount of end play. Instructor Sandy Garrett is explaining how to check a torque converter. That's the part of an automatic car that functions like a clutch would in a manual car, helping switch gears. If we're within spec, that means the torque converter is okay. If we're outside of that number, we have too much in play, then that means the torque converter is faulty and we'll have to replace it. Watching that demonstration is Moyes Ahmed. He's a second year student here who got hooked on fixing cars in high school. There's a special feeling you get after you get a car running that it's like, you know, I did this, right? And no, nobody else did it. I did it with my hands. But he says watching YouTube videos only goes so far. He felt he needed a degree. Working on all these newer cars, you realize without the proper training, I won't be able to understand how these systems work. And without knowing how these systems work, I won't be able to fix it. And the job security, knowing he's not going into debt and that he may come out with a pretty high salary, well, that feels good, too. And it's a calculation students across the country are starting to make. White supremacy is the sickness. We slowly emerge from the pandemic. The masks are coming off. Other COVID restrictions are slowly going away. The question now is, will office workers ever return to downtown San Francisco's once thriving financial district? ABC 7 News reporter Cornell Bernard live in San Francisco with details. Cornell? Yeah, you're right, Larry. Masks are coming off. COVID restrictions are slowly being lifted. And some office workers are slowly returning back to the place that they were two years ago. But not everybody is ready to go back to the office. But some small business owners are really hoping they will. It was very bad. It was like we kind of like we were scared to come in because it was basically ghost town here. Jacques Oskanian has owned this stationery store in San Francisco's Embarcadero Center for eight years. He's still waiting for many customers to return, some of them office workers. I never thought of shutting my business because that's the only our bread and butter. But there are encouraging signs. More people on the street and more commuters in their cars heading to work. Metering lights came on at 627, and it is a very slow ride across the bridge. Google announcing today they plan to start a hybrid work model on April 4th, telling Bay Area employees they must work three days in the office, the other two from home. But there's still a need for face-to-face -face, uh, interactions and, and creativity. So uh, looking forward to those companies committing to come back to San Francisco, uh, employees on the street and small businesses benefiting from it. But some workers are in no hurry to get back. Vic Luong is spending just one day in the office. I think I enjoy the people connection still. I miss it personally. So I think it's good the way it is hybrid for me. Mayor London Breed pushing for more employers to bring their workers back to the business district. Her office saying the mayor has been working with organizations like the Chamber of Commerce and talking to business leaders, announcing a shared commitment to return to the office. We will have more specifics soon. There was a lot of support for San Francisco and bringing workers back, though we know things will look different moving forward to allow for flexibility in the workplace. Experts say weekly office attendance is about 25% with the slow uptick forward. Our calculus is that buildings are ready, buildings are safe, and they have been for the past year and a half. And now we just need people to have the right mentality. We need employers to say it's time to come back to the city. SF Travel reports a 20% increase in bookings at the Moscone Center since December. The busiest month is expected to be June. More encouraging signs on the road back to normal. Jacques is optimistic. I see a lot of movement and I'm very optimistic that this things is going to get better so and, and better and better. Now, later this week, Mayor Breed plans to reveal details on a plan 
working with business leaders and employers to help bring workers back to the office. Why? Because the city's long-term tax revenue is really depending on this. For Live in San Francisco, Cornell Bernard, ABC 7 News. So, Cornell, is there any insight into how long it might take before downtown is as vibrant as it was pre-pandemic? Because a lot of companies are talking about, at best, hybrid situations, three days on, two days off. I mean, it doesn't sound like people are going to be returning in droves, at least not initially. Larry, the experts say those hybrid situations may always be with us in some form or another. SF Travel says uh, it may be 24 or 20, uh, 2025 before travel, before convention business returns to the way it was pre-pandemic. Wisconsin Dells resident Danny Bartle drives full-time using apps like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash. Two years ago, she was taking home $1,000 a week after expenses. But she's had to replace her car, and the cost of gas has nearly doubled. She's driving 60 hours a week to make what she used to in 40. If we stick with the trend that's there, the first thing I'd probably have to do is go get what I tell my husband, a normal people job, and at least do something else part-time. She says the apps haven't raised their pay rates as costs go up, and customers are tipping less. She says an extra dollar makes a big difference. If we're doing this all day and every customer did that, that might take care of my fuel increase. And it might help ensure that your pad thai noodles and cough medicine keep showing up at your door. Diane Bazooka, Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not racism. Google is facing a lawsuit from former employees, people of color, who say they have faced discrimination by the Silicon Valley tech giant. Some of those employees shared their stories at a news conference today. ABC 7 News reporter Zach Fuentes was there, and he's live in the newsroom with more on what they had to say. Zach? Yeah, Kristen, those employees say they are suing because of what they call a pattern and practice of discrimination. And it's that that they say pushed them out of what they once called their dream job. April Christina Curley worked at Google for six years. She says she left her home in Baltimore to become a diversity recruiter for the tech giant. In that time, she says she was able to recruit more than 500 black students to work for the company. Despite her performance, she says she was wrongfully terminated in September of 2020. It hurt. It was one of the most pain I've had in my life. Curly says that despite two degrees and years of experience in diversity recruitment, she was never given a promotion and was underpaid. She says that other black employees were experiencing the same thing. I began to question the white dominant policies in practice within Google and especially in the recruitment org. Policies that have ultimately led to the underleveling and underpaying of black talent at Google policies that have led to black people leaving Google at higher rates than any other group in the company. She says her questioning and plans to address the discrimination eventually led to her firing. Now Curly is being represented by a team of attorneys that include civil rights attorney Ben Crump. Don't condemn April Curly. Support her. Let's try to disrupt discrimination, Google. The lawsuit was filed on Friday, and since then, Crump says they've heard from others who say they were discriminated against, like Chloe Sled, who worked at Google from 2012 to 2016. She says she faced sexual harassment and tried to speak out about race issues, but was bullied into resigning without severance or any support. It was clear to me they wanted me out. And I didn't realize what my rights were, and they took advantage of that. Crump is now working to make it a class action suit. In part, the lawsuit is looking for the employees to be reinstated to their positions and awarded the value of the compensation and benefits they lost and will lose in the future. Google, we are here 
to encourage you to do the right thing. Now, we have reached out to Google for a response to the lawsuit. So far, we have not heard back. In the newsroom, Zach Fuentes, ABC7 News. Zach, thank you. I'm just trying to run through the money. Run. Yeah. I'm just trying to run through the money. Run. Run through it. Yeah. Run through it. I'm trying to blow a check. Where'd you get these checks? Black KC artist interrogated over big bank deposit. If you still don't understand why businesses need diversity training, meet Harold Smith, a nationally known black Kansas City artist who was humiliated on Tuesday at the Security Bank of Kansas City, where he has been a customer for about 40 years. He drove up to the bank's drive through window to deposit several checks. But instead of a courteous how are you today? The question the teller had was this one, where did you get these checks? This was not even the first time this has happened to him at his bank. Seven months earlier, Smith attempted to deposit three checks, including one that had been signed over to him and another that was for a large amount from a major television studio. The teller at Security Bank Central Avenue branch told Smith he could not deposit the first check unless the person who had signed it over was present. Then she asked where he got the TV check. The name of the studio was clearly printed on the check. Initially, Smith refused to let himself believe he was being racially profiled at his own longtime bank, and wrote it off as just a situation with a teller in dire need of some customer service training. He thought if he spoke to a manager, they would fix this, and maybe set the teller straight about how to treat their customers. Instead, Smith says he was told that yes, sometimes, based on a feeling, a teller will ask about the origin of a check. A feeling, maybe, that someone who looks like you should not be depositing this much money? This uncomfortable feeling policy asks employees to indulge their implicit biases, which we all have, and may not even be aware of. Implicit bias training helps us understand how stereotypes can affect our perceptions and behavior. But training alone would not prevent the problem Smith had, because the policy of encouraging employees to go with their impressions runs exactly counter to it. A policy like that virtually guarantees that banking while black will be a problem. Of course, we called the bank for an explanation. Vice President David Mulvaney said the teller was actually trying to protect Smith, and them, from fraud. As you may be aware, check fraud is very common right now, and our frontline staff is the first line of defense to protect both our customers and the bank, Mulvaney said in a letter to Smith after he told the bank in an email he planned to make what happened public. We have the tough job to balance excellent customer service and risk mitigation for fraud. If that's true, why did no one explain that to Smith the first time, or the second? There needs to be a better policy. Or, as Smith suggested, a script to use, sir, we want to make sure our customers are safe from fraud so we need to ask a few questions to protect you. Leaving it up to a teller to pick and choose when, to whom and how to ask such personal and private questions encourages employees to indulge their own biases. And it guarantees that what happened to Smith will happen again. But it won't involve Smith. The longtime security customer pulled out his money and took his business elsewhere. You know, we are able to track that because there's taxation on alcohol. Asking them to estimate how many days they miss due to basically not wanting to come into work. So there's absenteeism, which is when you're not, you're not making it to work at all. And then presenteeism is where you make it to work, but maybe you're not functioning to the highest capacity that you would have otherwise. Someone with severe alcohol use disorder is missing 32 days um, a year 
That's a lot of days. That is a lot of days. People who don't have any alcohol use disorder are missing around 12 to 13 days per year. I'm Sarah Fenske. If you called off work for a St. Patrick's Day hangover last week, you're not alone. A new study from Washington University linked alcohol use disorder to 232 million missed workdays every year. And the pandemic, unsurprisingly, may have only made things worse. Worse and worse and worse. Dr. Laura Byroot is a psychology professor, psychiatry professor at Washington University and senior investigator on this study. And she joins us today. Dr. Byroot. Welcome. Thank you. And we're also joined today by Dr. Ian Parsley. He's a psychiatry resident at Washington University and lead researcher in the study. Dr. Parsley, welcome. Thank you. So, Dr. Parsley, we've all known people who call in sick after drinking too much. What made you realize, you know what, this should be a research focus here? Yeah, so I think um, all of us who, who work with patients, and I think probably most listeners who have family members that struggle with alcohol problems already know kind of intuitively that that there is uh, complications uh, in many aspects of life, you know, personal relationships, uh, medical issues. And I think we all anecdotally know that it also it correlates to the workplace, mm-hmm. um, both in being impaired at work and then also missing work. So I think we all kind of know that. And there's, da- there's a lot of research out there already. Um, kind of suggesting that that relationship exists. Um, but one thing that, and, and what drew us to, to do this study is that there really wasn't great, particularly recently, data speaking to how big of a problem is this on a national level. And so, so that's what we were really trying to focus on. So Dr. Beirut, how do you even go about quantifying something like this that's so individual, we might even be lying to our work when we call in sick? How do you get accurate data on something like this? Well. Um, luckily, we have large national surveys that are available to the scientific community. So these uh, surveys have been done every year. We're able to uh, follow them. And with that, we could see what happens from 2015 to 2019. We pulled all this data together, and over 100,000 people were involved in this survey. So with that, we think we really do kind of you know, converge on what we think is accurate data. And so this is people sort of self-reporting their own alcohol-influenced behavior. Yes. Okay. So how do you go about, like, what specifically is being asked, um, Dr. Parsley, where you end up determining, hey, here's how many days we're looking at, and this Mm -hmm. is across the U.S.? Yeah. So for those uh, respondents who are endorsed being full-time employed, there are additional questions about their employment status that were asked. Um, Specifically, the way that we tracked a term called absenteeism, which is what we were looking at in this study, which is defined as not being at work when you're otherwise expected to. Um, There's a couple questions that address that. One was asking people to estimate how many days in the last 30 days did you miss due to illness or injury. And then another question was asking them to estimate how many days they missed due to basically not wanting to come into work. And so how do you sort out then people who have, um, you know, a a chronic illness, a a certain disease versus people who they have an alcohol use disorder? So as far as uh, being able to pull apart who has an alcohol use disorder. Um, you know, so the, the survey that we used is the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, which asks, asks a ton of questions about people's alcohol use. So history. you know a whole bunch about how much these people are drinking. Yeah, and, and effectively uh, it, it 
asks all the criteria for what we use clinically, the DSM criteria for an alcohol use disorder. So really we are able to kind of tabulate those up to get a sense of what the severity is for their, their use disorder. So Dr. Byroot, for somebody who has a severe alcohol use disorder, what's the contrast between them and somebody who maybe is just more tangentially affected by this when it comes to days off? Mm-hmm. So we saw a stepwise increase in the number of days off. So someone with severe alcohol use disorder is missing 32 days um, a year. That's a lot of days. That is a lot of days. And um, we see it, uh, people who don't have any alcohol use disorder are missing around 12 to 13 days per year because of illness and injury. So you're able to then kind of see how this steps up uh, from each category of mild alcohol use disorder to moderate and then severe. Wow. So 32 days seems like a lot. Um, Dr. Parsley, these are people who continue to maintain full-time employment, at least when the survey is taken. Right, exactly, at least per that their endorsement. What do we know about who's most likely to have this kind of severe disorder? Um, as far as the, the individual patients themselves? Yeah, I guess in terms of demographics. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think kind of speaking to that, one thing that overall was surprising about our, our study is we actually saw that the prevalence of having an alcohol use disorder was higher among people who work full time as opposed to the general population, um, which was initially um, surprising. But I think the more we kind of thought about it, the more it kind of made sense in that uh, alcohol use disorders are much more common among younger people, mm-hmm. uh, and it, they are much more common among men, both of which um, the people who endorsed having full-time employment uh, skewed towards those directions. So um, so those are a couple factors that I think do did kind of predispose people to having a it's, use disorder. It's interesting. So this stereotype of, you know, the lazy alcoholic, the person who can't get out of bed, these are people who are, are holding it together. They've got these full-time jobs, and yet there's a very real cost when we're looking at that many days off work. Um, Is that something that your study looked at as well? Uh, As far as how many, sorry, what was the question? I guess just sort of the toll that this takes. Uh Yeah, I think outside of of the actual days missed, uh, we didn't look at that specifically. Um, There is another concept as far as work impairment goes, which is something called presenteeism. Mm -hmm. So there's absenteeism, which is when you're you're not making it to work at all. And then presenteeism is where you make it to work, but maybe you're not functioning to the highest capacity that you would have otherwise. And there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence <laughs> there's a lot of evidence that that also is present for people with alcohol use disorder. But that was something that we did not look at in this study. Interesting. So, Dr. Byrud, um, the idea is that this may have become an even bigger problem during the pandemic. What, what leads you to think that? Well, we have several different bits of evidence now. One is we know that alcohol sales have increased during the pandemic. You know, we are able to track that because there's taxation on alcohol. And so we're able to, you know, really monitor how much alcohol is sold in the United that States. That is a scientific fact. That, that is, it's people a bought more. <laughs> yes. So alcohol, more alcohol was purchased during the pandemic. And um, just in the past few days, another j- study came out, which showed that there was a 25% increase in alcohol-related deaths in the United States. Wow. Um, you know, uh, from pre-pandemic to, you know, the pandemic year. So, you know, we're, we're seeing this convergence of, you know, alcohol use has increased, alcohol-related deaths have increased. And the alcohol-related deaths are not necessarily, you know, um, because of cirrhosis of the liver, but it could be car accidents, other accidents, you know, other types of issues associated with alcohol. So 
this problem, we think, is only getting bigger. It's a big problem. I imagine, though, in the pandemic, you know, a lot of people were able to work from home from their couches. I wonder if we might see more of that presenteeism versus the absenteeism if you continued to, to build this data out for the last couple of years. Is, is that something that you might at some point look at? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, we actually, you know, could have if we wanted to included because this, this survey has data already for at least 2020. And we could have included that, but we actually intentionally didn't just because kind of like you hinted at, there's a lot of other factors that changed with the pandemic. And one of the biggest being that suddenly people are working from home. And obviously that's going to change that relationship with people missing work. So, but in the future, that, that absolutely, I think would be a great thing to look at and how that changed things. So there's a lot of grounds here for future study. At the same time, we know we have such a big problem here. And now you're kind of putting it in the context of the workplace. Dr. Byrut, are you hoping that something will come out of sharing these numbers? And if so, how? Well, we are hoping that employers also recognize that this is a problem for their workplace. So, you know, the good thing about work is that it offers structure. And with with the pandemic that we've had, we've really lost so much so much structure. We've lost kind of the guardrails of, you know, getting up in the morning, having the structure, getting into work, getting dressed. Um, and so what we're, you know, we're now in a very tight workforce also. And so what we hope is that, you know, the employee assistant programs that are out there, um, you know, are geared up and so that we're ready for the employees that are having this alcohol use problems. So you feel like this is something employers should take seriously. This, this is not just, oh, you look like you had a rough night. They want to have a more serious conversation. Yes. And, you know, it's it's good for everyone. So, you know, the problems with alcohol use disorder not only affect the employee, but they're affecting the employer. And so many people get their health insurance through their employer. So, again, we're hoping that this is a virtuous circle that will occur, that, um, you know, the employer will care and you know, this will help employees who have alcohol use disorder. So, Dr. Parsley, for people who have heard us talking about this today, what do you hope they take from this study and everything that you've learned? Yeah, so I, I think... Obviously, the biggest takeaway here is just the extent to which alcohol, um, I think it's so common. You know, one of the big things about alcohol use is it's so common in our society. And um, in that way, it's it's very normalized in a lot of ways. Um, and I think a big takeaway here is if if you are someone who's struggling with, with alcohol use, um, that this is just another reason that I think it would be important to, to kind of be seeking out treatment. Well, Dr. Ian Parsley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Dr. Parsley is a psychiatry resident at Washington University, lead researcher in this study. It's uh, published in the JAMA Network Open. You can find that link at stlonair.show. And Dr. Laura Byrut, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. And Dr. Byrut is a psychiatry professor and senior investigator of the study and director of Washington University Health and Behavior Research Center. Why isn't the big takeaway sobriety would be best? They don't want to give credit to that old loony coon who's been saying that for like a decade or so. Or maybe not a decade, but I've been saying it for a minute. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date friday march 25 2022 so i have been told this is our weekly summit on neutralizing workplace racism 
not for spectators. There are so many things happening. They just said that in that report about alcohol. So many dynamics in the workplace right now and over the past couple of years. No time for spectators. Uh, if we are serious about replacing white supremacy with justice, non-white spectators are not going to get that done. If you have figured out anything that will be helpful towards non-white people getting a nice big fat bonus, getting sparkling reviews every time people rave about your professionalism, your competence. If you need time off, you get it. You know exactly what to say. And they don't pull that old, you know, bamboozle you. Say, oh, yeah, we got you. You're taking a family vacation in July. No problem. Then they come back and they wait until the end or they wait until July 1. Say, oh, wait a minute. In fact, we're going to have to rescind that vacation. We need you to come in and work overtime every day this month. No, 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 no. They don't do that. Vacation. Bam. Solid. We'll catch you in August. You need time off to take care of your children. Make sure this spring transition is going great no problem if you have figured out how to get yourself in that position let us know the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate We've had neutralizing workplace racism as a separate program once a week for six years. And we were doing workplace racism as a part of the weekly compensatory call in tomorrow, Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We were doing that even before then. Over all of that time, I've only had one person even hint that maybe someone on their job was aware that they were calling into the cows and neutralizing workplace racism specifically one per and even that person they didn't say that they were fired or there was any sort of punitive damage they didn't even have definitive proof they just had suspicion over all of those years only one person i do not know anybody uh who can who has told gus anyway that yes people on my job found out or i got in trouble or anything like that not one person. If such a person does exist, let us know. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. few things to share uh, before we get to callers and emails. Wow. Sobriety would be best. I can say that about a billion times. Uh, but one thing I will say really quick. I even if we had like I guess if we had like 50 people waiting hand up like oh my goodness I can't believe this ha or even if it was 50 people waiting man I got a raise let me tell you this is the exact strategy that I used to get a raise or someone called me a nigger and this is exactly what I did it worked out beautifully the person got fired I got a raise and a Starbucks gift card and all the rest of it. they even gave me a half eaten bag of peanut M&Ms <laughs> like great that would be awesome. Even if we had like 50 people lined up to tell us all these great anecdotes about how they utilized counter racism in a logical, effective manner in the workplace, we would still have reports about things related to labor because I think that is so important just to kind of have an idea to even study really things that are happening in the workplace. You might pick up some tips, some strategy. If, if nothing else, my Lord, sobriety would be better. In fact, 
I might even take that last report that we heard. If I was being harassed, we had a workplace because I worked at a job where we would go, I would say at least once a month and sometimes it would be several times. Sometimes it would seem more like a weekly thing. We would do our staff meeting and this was working in the school system in Oakland as a matter of fact. Dr. Huey P. Newton, late great, Black Panther Party. Party. We would go to the bar and I did consume alcohol this time. We would go, let's go get tequila. Let's go do that. Doing tequila shots and we're supposed to be talking seriously about an academic program, mostly black students in the class. Let me get another round of tequila. I remember being there and having tequila in one hand, beer in the other hand, and we're supposed to be doing a staff meeting. Like, come on. Anyway, you learn, do better. You know better, do better. Anywho, uh, I would take that last report to folks who would all white people. Hey, come on, Gus, let's go. No, you love Patron, which I did at the time. Let's come on and get a shot of tequila. Let's come on, come on, come on. It'll be fun. I'll buy it. And they would say, oh, yeah, I'll buy it. First round is on me. Second round is on me. Let's drink, 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 drink. Hey, man, look how many times people have to take a day off and come in hung over by lord how many times i've seen that and as someone who's worked with children and hearing oh my gosh i had to take a day off and bet all my money on the Bengals, and they lost and oh trying to drown my sorrow in you know hennessy you know i just couldn't come in on monday that matter of fact it's been cliche all my life they will say for people that work in like factories and uh, where they like manufacture vehicles and other, you know, parts and things like that, uh, air conditioners, whatever it is. You don't want one that came off the assembly line on Monday. Ooh, man. <laughs> like I said, something, they make Vitamixes in Ohio. You get one of those Vitamixes that came off the line the day after the Bengals came up a little short in the Super Bowl. Ooh, wee. Let me wait and get one that came off later. This this is like Stan. You all can let me know. Gosh, you're lying. You're making it up. You all can let me know. But I've heard that all my life. They said that about cars, all kinds of things, because it's so, so much a part of white culture to do all this drinking, 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 and then come staggering and stumbling and fumbling in on Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. Sobriety would be best. But I do think it's important uh, just these that has so many things happening in the workplace right now to just try to be informed so you can try to make better decisions in the workplace. That's it. Some of the reports that we heard at the very beginning, uh, they man, they had a nine minute report. School systems plural. This wasn't one specific location because we already played one uh, New Mexico where they brought in the National Guard to teach. This was. There, so we had uh, the report last week where they were advertising, trying to recruit substitute teachers in California. They said they are so short staffed at schools across the country. Multiple schools throughout the land are bringing in the National Guard. Shout to Little Rock Nine. Now, that's something that you probably couldn't think about at the time, right? If you were, had a child 10 years ago or what have you in the midst of all the Obama glory, you probably couldn't imagine like, dang, there's going to be a global health crisis for two years plus. Schools will be shut down and open and shut down and Zoom and online and back in person and fighting over masks and all that. And then 
they will have such a shortage of educators, young academic, they will have to bring in the National Guard to teach your black child. Now, I'm sure that's going to do wonders for what they call the school to prison pipeline. I'm sure that's going to do wonders for academic development, reading comprehension scores, having National Guardsmen who that's what they were trained to do. Teach your offspring. I didn't even play that one just because I already had my stuff together. Wasn't waiting till the last minute procrastinating and then bam. Oh, I thought that was super important, too. But lots of reasons to study. Put that on the back burner thinking about that. So then the one we did here, they talked about in the first report. They said that they have students. They are hiring them to come in and work. And there were so many prop were. Yeah, I would say problems with that report. It was titled. With a shortage of staff, students are stepping up to become employees at school. This is on NPR. So they had music all the way in that segment. Now, I have pointed out I will have music in the segment. It is very rare. And normally, if we have music, it'll be as a segue in between two different reports and it will be related to the information that's being presented it's not just music playing throughout what does this have to do with what we're hearing is this supposed to help us with our understanding and how we're processing this information that's one they didn't have pictures so I couldn't uh, assess if the people that they were talking to students Carissa Lunt and Savannah Darner can't make an assessment uh, are, are these white people non-white people I suspect that they're non-white people. This area of uh, Missouri, this is the Jefferson County School District. I suspect this is one of those areas where they have warehoused non-white people. I can't be totally certain, but just listening to what they were doing, I'm totally for entrepreneurship for black children, non-white children, totally down. They have tons of examples of black children who've gone out and started businesses and black children I mean black children like 11 12 13 going to college (sighs) professional student outstanding they talked to Carissa Lunt and Savannah Darner about being a custodian and working in the cafeteria I do not have any sort of judgment. I'm not casting aspersions on anyone who does custodial work. Cleaning is important. I believe the grand sister, Dr. Francis Cresswellsing, said everyone should have an A plus in broom. If this is supposed to be some sort of program and with children, do we not have anything better, especially if some of these folks are saying they had aspirations for being an educator? We can't get them something better than custodial work. Working in the kit, are you is that's your aspiration to be a cafeteria worker again? No judgment. I love working with food. I'm just saying, if you saying you want to teach, well, then let's do something where we can kind of get you over there. If this is a staff shortage thing, I think we can do better than hiring children to come in and sweep and mop. Especially, yeah, even hearing some of them, they, they're happy about it. They get some money. It's better hours and what have you. That's all grand and everything. I guess, you know, you say uh, you take some benefits or what have you. But I mean, 
you'd have to show me that they have white people on and they didn't have photos. So you'd have to show me where you would have white children where they're black. Cause I see where they get white people, white children where they can go to the bank, learn finance, learn cryptocurrency from middle school, sixth grade. That's what I'm talking about. Not yes. Make sure that the urinals all have new deodorizing cakes. Make sure the paper towel and toilet tissue dispensers have been filled. Make sure you don't steal a square. I mean, we've done that. I don't think you need, you know, that's not a program for advancing youth, I don't think. Anywho, uh, let's see. The end with that, too, because there have been so many reports on uh, we've had labor shortages. We're looking to young people to come in and work here and be manager there again, 14 year olds, 15 year olds. Make sure you talk to your children. That sort of thing is rife for exploitation. They were talking to adults who said they didn't know their rights. Some of the folks at Google. So I'm certain if you got 15, 16, 17 year olds, they have no idea. Rights? What? I just do. I'm a child. I just do what adults tell me to do. That's what I've done my whole life. Mandatory. You'd have to do a whole lot of talking to your child. On a regular, what happened at work? What did they say? I mean, lots of questions about that whole experience, talking to them about racism and sexual abuse. Everyone keep their hands to themselves. Uh, let's see. Next. Uh, they had the segment uh, drop off in college enrollment, uh, people doing skills, trades. We talked about the occupational handbook previously. Hey, might be a much better alternative uh, than investing a lot of money. And maybe you get a job, maybe you don't. Racists are phenomenal with that sort of thing. Having lots of non-white people piled up with all kinds of degrees. And it's same thing. Uh, you got a broom. I know, I know, I know you got a PhD. I know, I know, I know. PhD, doctorate, all that. Yes, 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 yes. Magna cum laude. Yes, yes, yes. You don't have any openings right now, but we got a broom. You know how to operate the uh, chicken nugget machine? They're phenomenal at that sort of thing. Uh, Let's see. But the two years occupational handbook. Other skills, trades. Absolutely can be a phenomenal option. Investigate. Do your research. Uh, Might even be better than armed services. Way better, I would suspect, given the uh, global outlook. Uh, Let's see. Next. Uh, They talked about... (laughs) Harold Smith. So we heard uh, Marvel's Black Panther. Ryan Coogler tries to go to the bank in Atlanta, gives him a note, right? Withdrawal slip. Get my money discreetly. Twelve thousand dollars. If you could count it over there. Thank you kindly. Ends up being shackled. Black bank teller and black enforcement officers. Hmm. Chocolate City. Well, that's Black Mecca. My bad. This time around, Harold Smith, Kansas City, black artist, goes to the bank. They said it's a large check. Now, they didn't specify. I would love to know the number. Not that I'm trying to put Mr. Smith's uh, business on the street like that. But I mean, when they say a large check with a Negro, man, <laughs> it, it does not have to be a million dollars. It doesn't have to be $10,000. I think. Marvel's Black Panther Ryan Coogler who probably you know should have got billions for all that with Black Panther I'm sure that's not the case but I mean whoo break the bank right he was just trying to get $12,000 
He wound it up shackled, accused of being a bank robber. I don't know what, how much money, but they ask him. He says he got this television contract and he goes to the bank. Tries to get it. Hmm. Hmm. Where'd you get this money from? What are you doing with all this money? How'd you get this check? You been raping? You getting this money to do some raping? You're a painter. Mm-hmm. Oh, paint nigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paint somebody raping, huh? Lucky he didn't end up shackled. And he said, not the first time. I'm sure it's happened to me many times. I got tons of those. We sit around and twiddle our thumbs one day and talk about all the times you try to go to the bank to get your check cashed. And, hmm. Hmm. Bravo having self- black self-respect. Mr. Smith taking his money out of Security Bank. Bravo. And I mean, hey, if he's got all this business and contracts and working with television networks and everything, he should be known at the bank, right? That's what I've seen when it's white people. They have accounts. They don't even have to be like Brad Pitt, you know, millionaires, the Clintons and that sort of thing, the Bush family and all that. Just a white person with a few thousand dollars. Like, oh, my goodness. Mr. Simpkins, thank you so much. Good to see you. How are you doing? Isn't it lovely? Cherry blossoms are out for the- all that. What? Mr. Smith couldn't get that? Local artist contributing so much wow oh so good to see you mr smith wow what have you been painting lately well that's good stay away from those white women (laughs) you know no bravo for taking your uh money your business elsewhere to mr smith and and they even heard did you hear mr smith said when this happened to him the first time he didn't go call al sharpton he didn't say let me go listen to a cow's episode let me buy some Neely Fuller Jr. and understand reason. He said, I didn't want to believe that I was a victim of racism. He said he wrote it off. I don't even know what that metaphor means. Wrote it off. Hey, they'll get better training. That's what he said. When it happens again, he investigates it. Hey, we give our tellers the or the option to go off of a feeling that when you can insert discretion I've said that for years uh, discretion feel free to practice racism when there's no standard policy this is what's supposed to happen to everybody right the constitution says equal protection under the law everyone is supposed to be afforded due process you do things in a correct manner everyone's treated the same uh-uh. when you get that discretion sometimes we do it this way Sometimes we do it this way. Uh oh, we got an old raping nigra. Panic button, panic button, panic button. Wait a minute, I got my license and it panic button. Blackmail privilege, say that one again. Blackmail privilege. Kansas City to Atlanta. Uh, let's see. The alcohol report is so many. Th- oh, I did skip over the Google uh, report. Uh, <laughs> They had Benjamin Crump out. They said this is supposed to be a mega uh, lawsuit. We've heard this over uh, and over again uh, with many of these uh, tech industries. They had a huge report in the L.A. Times today about Tesla, uh, which I thought just reminded me of this one in the same document, everything ruthlessly uh, expect all sorts of retaliation. Try to do electronic documentation if you can so that you have a nice time stamped record uh, and also a record of response 
or not. Uh, if you're going to try to proceed with any sort of litigation or what have you, and even make sure that you're willing, even if you can't get Benjamin Crump on, I'm willing. This might take three years. And I'm, you know, willing to hang out, be businesslike for three years, keep accurate records and all of that for three years until there's an adjudication. You have to sign up for that sort of thing. The alcohol report. So many, as I said, that's the sort of thing I would document, have in a folder, and would share. Maybe even the actual report, uh, the news article. Did you see this study? Washington University in Missouri. Wow. 30 days lost per year. And that's for people who have some sort of disorder. We're not even talking about just regular old folks who, as they said, St. Patrick's Day. You know, one too many green beers almost fell over in the green, uh, Chicago River that they turned it green. Man, I got to call out the next day. I can't make it to work on the 18th. I'm feeling a little rough. You know, last Friday. That is super comp. Somebody had a wedding and I got rowdy uh, at the reception. All this time lost and or people coming in and they're hung over. So they're not productive. Now that I have seen that wide spread. As I said, that's almost cliche in a number of quarters. People known for that sort of thing. You got to come in now. You got to be all quiet and tiptoe around they got an attitude and some of that name calling and racist activity where you come in and they're grouchy and everything they're hung over and mad that they got to be there got a headache and everything ah shut up nigga drinking last night can't think correctly should have been home in bed (laughs) sobriety would be best if anything i would use a document or report like that so many people have issues with substance abuse. They said a 25% increase in alcohol-related deaths since the pandemic. That is front-page news, in my opinion. They said not just from, you know, liver problems and all the rest of it, driving under the influence and not being able to think correctly and operating machinery and all kinds of things, just not being able to think correctly. 25% increase? And that might even be an undercount. More sobriety should be best. Do we as a company, do we want to contribute to this? You can hop back in the question lane. Is this the best way to go about professional, uh, creating a professional work environment, doing happy hour, uh, combining happy hour with our business meeting, staff meeting, whatever it is? Stay in the question lane with it. Do we think we might even have some people here who they personally or in their family, people that they care about have had some substance abuse issues where this might be, you know, kind of a tough, sensitive thing for them having meetings where they're required to be present in an environment of alcohol, narcotics or whatever it is. Simple question, but I would have that report at the right, especially in any environment where there's a whole lot of that. And I have worked in those environments and then they will get peer pressure you about it you know we gotta go and drink we gotta go and drink come on you gotta be a team player uh let's see uh i will pause there with the audio report certainly folks have their uh own thoughts on that take and share uh we had folks who wrote in had the tesla report as well which is amazing the, I'll, I'll have to read some of the details because they're common they're things that we've heard before but i thought it was important for a myriad of reasons uh but i'll just say one of the the 
in the subheading of the report on the racism, white supremacy at the California Tesla plant. They had a victim of racism, black female, and she said that she felt like she was about to reach her breaking point. And I read, you know, some of the things that they were doing to her. That that is the goal of white supremacy, racism, breaking niggers. The work environment is one of those. And even really with that segment on alcohol, I was thinking that for a lot of black people, that right there is why the alcohol and drug abuse, all of that stress that we endure in a work environment for 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 35 hours a week, whatever it is. By the time you endure all that at Google or Tesla or wherever else you work at. Oh, yeah. A whole lot. of I'm ready for a fifth of anything. And then you repeat that over and over and over. And yeah, you end up with a whole lot of folks who have all kinds of health problems. If it's not uh, alcohol, cigarettes, but that was prominently uh, in my mind. You've had that uh, for generations. They talk about that in South Africa all the time. Generations of alcoholics because of what they call colonialism, white supremacy, racism. The Kaffirs. Anywho, uh, breaking point. If you are feeling as though because of racism, white supremacy and things that are happening in the workplace, like really be mindful uh, about your mental health. We've had folks who've called in before Roz the Great and other folks who've talked about uh, the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, as they call it uh, for short. uh, And using that if you need it for mental health days or if you do have, you know, other type of health situation with you or your family or what have you. But using that it it can be so dangerous even Pam we talked about that with her uh, and saying black people we end up being terrorized on these jobs a lot of times we're isolated we don't have people we can talk to that's why we have this program we've heard so many victims all over the world who said you know they they're not able if they have an attempted spouse partner wife husband whatever it is uh, or attempted parents attempted siblings attempted homies uh, that they just don't have people that they can go and talk to, that they flip it around and you did something, blame it on them, that type of thing. Or they just don't want to, you know, have conversation about racism widespread. And so it can be a really vicious situation of just being isolated and where you end up being frustrated, blaming yourself, feeling hopeless about things. And it can just be really, really devastatingly harmful. So reach out, seek help here we try to be that for the platform uh try to see if you can cultivate at least one or two uh non-white people where you can speak to them honestly about racism and if something comes up on the job you can be there to listen and offer hopefully counter racist logic try to help them solve problems and process their situation without creating new problems but it i mean breaking point and even what does that mean does that mean you become self-harmful destructive doing something reckless What does that mean? Doesn't sound healthy. Be really and especially with everything that's been happening, happening over the past two years plus, because we've all been under such stress and turmoil and uncertainty and confusion uh, that all of us might be closer to the so-called breaking point. So just be really mindful and make sure that you're doing things to nourish yourself. Uh, and if you you know, have folks that you care about, children, especially if you have offspring uh, or if you're in an attempted uh, marriage or what have you have siblings, whatever, uh, check in. If you have victims of racism, check in, see how they're doing. Uh, make sure that they are not at their breaking point.
Mental health, very important. Mental health. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. So the number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Let us see. Uh, Get to the folks who dialed in. Let's see. First few folks who dialed in with a hand up. The line should be open. Can I jump in here? Caller in Ohio. Yes, sir. Ah, how's it going there, Gus? Right poorly. So there was uh, some events that occurred on the technology side that's very interesting that's covered uh, from the Google side. Well, not on the Google side, but it's a couple of hacks that have been happening. So there's this uh, group. I'd say they're more hackers than anything else, but the group's name is Lapsus, L-A-P-S-U-S dollar sign. And so what they do is it's not that they're necessarily the great attackers. They actually find out there are some script kiddies, which pretty much means the young people or people who aren't skilled at actually understanding how to hack. So what they were doing is they would go around and look for people who worked at the organizations that they were looking to hack into. They'd look for disgruntled employees. So quite a bit of what you talked about with, um, you know, how workplace hostilities are, with lapses, really their key was they were exploiting the fact that they know that people are being mistreated in the work environment. And it gave, um, how can I put it, I guess a good entry point for that hacking group to get access to passwords and uh, different types of security measures that the organization they were looking to attack would take so that they understood how to get around them. Uh, from my understanding of it, they were involved with NVIDIA attack. I don't know if you guys know who NVIDIA is. They pretty much make uh, a very broad line of graphics cards and things that go into servers. Some of your home computers and laptops have NVIDIA uh, software and hardware in it, so they're pretty big players, pretty big company organization in the technology space. Well, from understanding of it, they pretty much were able to uh, find people who were easily compromised at that organization who gave them access to pretty much how to maneuver through NVIDIA servers. And they were able to get extremely sensitive information about how NVIDIA does the processes behind making the GPUs or the or also known as graphics cards, right? Uh, the silicon that actually gets used, which... Uh, think about it like a, like a baking sheet in a way, like the, the mixture that they're using to make uh, the graphics cards, uh, that group is able to get hold of it. And those individuals weren't super, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say they're not intelligent, but they weren't very, very skilled hackers. They just used the, the aspect of employees are going to get mistreated. These companies are going to overlook it. There's always going to be that threat that somebody will say, hey, I can get back at my company by giving – access to some people who want to do them wrong, right? And that's pretty much how they are able to pull that off. And I, I segue that into also that's a, a thing that a lot of organizations don't want to 
let be known that it's actually easier to attack a company by finding disgruntled employees than it is even understanding how to look for open back doors or unpatched software on their uh, computer systems because people tend to operate uh, differently when they're emotionally compromised. So it was interesting when I, when I saw it and I heard about how it went down, I thought about uh, the show Workplace Racism and how big of an attack vector disgruntled employees are. So that, that's all I, I was, just wanted to say. So I'll meet my line. Much obliged, caller in Ohio. Uh, see, now just my thoughts. I think racist man, racist woman, they know the system of white supremacy is about injustice, is about injustice, uh, and principally about deception, uh, certainly injustice. They know that. Uh, and they know work environments. Uh, they know it's widespread exploitation. White people mistreat other white people. That happens all the time. Uh, and so they know, hey, psh. And he said these, it's not like these are like the the greatest hackers in the history of the world. These Maybe these aren't the most powerful white people. But, hey, we understand human behavior. We know in this environment there are going to be some disgruntled employees because we know this is not a system that's about paying people correctly and compensating everybody correctly and benefits and all that. This is about messing over people and what they call it, cutting corners and all the rest of it, even amongst other individuals classified as white frequently. So, hey, we just get them, give up some information, compensate them or not. They know sometimes people hold such grudges and what have you. We'll do it for free. Just <laughs> to mess you over with so upset as he says, sometimes emotions can be a powerful factor uh, for people. So I'm not surprised. I'm sure white people try to do a lot. They know sometimes their employees like woof. That, and that's why we talked about it. I think uh, Colin Ohio has been that talked about that frequently. They have so many safeguards in for watching, trying to make sure, trying to do everything that they can. What information are people sharing? Are they downloading something on their phone? Are they downloading something on their computer and all the rest of it? So, yeah, just be mad. That's why I also say on the program as well in a work environment. Hey, anything that you say, anything that you write down is public. Uh, you just have to function in that manner because you never know who's listening, what other motivations that they have, what orders that they might have to report back on what's being done, what's being said, what's happening, anything. So disgruntled employees can cause a lot of damage. No secrets uh, in the system of racism, white supremacy. Just be very alert. Um, other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, commentary situations you would like to share, Line should be open. Proceed. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, good evening to uh, the host and the callers, and uh, uh, gratitude to the host for uh, for this uh, platform. Um, I wanted to share my thoughts on the reports that were made, and one of the reports that I heard that um, gave me a sense of a pattern is the Google report and how they have. Uh, mistreated non-white black people uh, by not promoting or by really um, disengaging them from the uh, from the process of um, of uh, increasing their value at their uh, place of employment. It seems like that is a regular report uh, regarding the technological industries. Um, 
with black people being ignored or made to feel subpar in some way or not giving them the ability to um, be very creative or use their creativity to advance themselves uh, and even basically uh, making them feel like they're outliers. Um, There's been other reports of other tech companies who have done other things that are very similar in sabotaging uh, non-white black employees, but I've not heard uh, very many, uh, or I've actually looked it up and I've not seen very many reports or any reports actually about uh, non-white Asian people um, who are classified as uh, Indian. And usually some of those people are very highly melanated and so I've always often been very curious as to why the mistreatment for non-white black people, but the uh, there's not been reported uh, mistreatment of non-white Asian people uh, in those uh, same uh, areas of uh, of technology. Uh, I just thought that was very interesting. And uh, in regard to the uh, report on the uh, artist who uh, attempted to deposit a check. I had actually uh, previously worked at a bank and I noticed that there are uh, people who are non-white black people seem to not take advantage of all the privileges that are associated with banking. And when you have high balances uh, and uh, white people, even if they don't have very high balances, will take advantage because they know of some of the privileges of even taking uh, your check not to the teller, but taking it to uh, your uh, person who you bank with, your personal banker, and having them do all of that uh, work for you. And it it, uh, it really um, tells on the training that many of the tellers do receive is that uh, non-white black people are inherently suspicious in cashing any amount of check. It doesn't matter if it's for... <clears throat> $200 uh, if that non-white black person gives them a, uh, um, a feeling, a vibration, or uh, a sense that they are not doing something that they're supposed to be doing, then they will, uh, that training actually kicks in so that they mistreat that non-white black person. Um, and uh, one other report, I guess I need to look at my notes, I apologize. Um, Oh, uh, one other thing about the uh, the driver who drives for the app companies uh, delivering uh, goods, um, it is noticeable that uh, many people are feeling very uh, pained when they um, have to pay for fuel and all their expenses. That's part of the expenses, but um, it's just it, it's just I feel badly for non-white black people who have to endure those same things because we don't have uh, oftentimes the uh, saving uh, or the ability to fall back on another position. Uh, we have to go to another job um, that pays us sometimes even less than those, um, those apps, which gives us a lot less uh, freedom of, of movement. Not to say that you would be um, subject to less racism, 
because you just may be uh, subject to different forms of racism by switching those types of positions. Um, and uh, one thing I wanted to add or report uh, for myself uh, was that my wife uh, is uh, has been uh, asked or basically uh, commanded to return back to work for at least three days uh, per week, um, which she does not really want to uh, do like many other people. So she has begun the process of being licensed as a birthing coach, uh, which I certainly have encouraged her to do. Uh, That may not uh, completely replace her uh, full-time income, but it may give her an option because she does not uh, currently enjoy the place where she works now. Um, and so she's doing the, uh, the training process of, uh, becoming, uh, licensed, uh, and certified as a birthing coach, which I think is, is, uh, is her passion. So, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very hopeful that it will, uh, be able to replace, uh, part of her income, if not, uh, all of her income. And uh, that's all I wanted to share for this evening. Uh, Have a great night, everyone. And I'll mute my line. Hmm. Much obliged. Uh, Sorry to hear that about your wife. Uh, We had that in the report they were talking about in San Francisco and said, hey, we're done with the Rona. It's time to get back to the office. Got to roll. Messing up the economy downtown. Messing up our tax base. Y'all got to get back in the office at least, you know, two or three days a week or sometime and saying, hey, lots of folks like your wife. I said, I don't know. I don't get lots of reasons now, like, you know, gas prices and COVID-19 is still there and crazy racist. Lots of reasons uh, that people would have some apprehension uh, about wanting to rush back into the workplace um, and folks forcing and saying, hey, it's got to be, you know, a minimum amount of time or you're going to get in trouble, that sort of thing. I definitely, I encourage like, Hey, Len, that's what they're saying. This is the moment where they're saying workers have more power, massive labor shortages. People are saying, I'm going to get what I want in the workplace. If you're going to demand that we come back, then I can look elsewhere. And that's going to be with us. As they say in the report, it's looking like at least some sort of hybrid work from home type of thing is going to be with us for at least the next two years and maybe permanently. So I uh, hope that she can get something grand. Uh, she wants to be at home permanently uh, or at least more than the limited number of days that they're offering. Offering. I uh, hope she's able to find it. Um, as regards to the banking situation, uh, where you were talking specifically about a lot of times black customers where they're not able to take advantage of some of the perks uh, that banks offer uh, to patrons who have a higher balance. I was trying to find the report. I failed. I have to look a little bit longer. Uh, there was a report where a black banker, bank bank customer, uh, he had qualified for the perks at the bank, but they weren't giving him the privileges that he was supposed to get. They were just practicing white supremacy racism against him. So I'm totally sure that that is the case uh, where you have black people where for whatever reason they're not taking advantage but there certainly seems to be a lot of evidence that white people are not exactly uh, making it easy in terms of making sure that the, all the black people know about these perks and then not presenting any obstacles from them being able to take advantage of these perks system of, of white supremacy. But yeah, I'm sure that is uh, widespread uh, and beyond banking. That's why I say in a work environment, like man, try to ask 
lots of questions because uh, that'll be the case on your job sometimes where there'll be other perks uh, and benefits, things that you don't know about that are available in your work environment. Try to ask questions so you can learn as much as you possibly can because uh, I found that frequently that's the case uh, where white people will know things that we don't know and are taking advantage and constructive things, helpful resources that would be a benefit that we're just not aware of. Um, much obliged uh, much obliged sir for sharing again best to the wife hope she's able to work out that situation uh, so that she's satisfied and safe uh, in her work environment uh, I will hmm, juggling a little bit just because man the the Tesla report is amazing I'll read a little bit of that now and then I'll get to some of our emails as well but uh, the te- it's in the LA Times today I posted it online so you can check it out uh, it's titled Tesla workers describe racism that led California's lawsuit. It reads uh, a single mother was excited to land a job at Tesla about three years in. She was fired. She said after complaining that black workers were frequently called nigger on the assembly line. A former refinery worker couldn't wait to get into the green industry. She said she soon found herself and other black workers assigned to the most arduous tasks in a corner of the factory co-workers called wait for it wait for it wait for it the plantation an army veteran was promoted to the fleet manager job he said he was fired after he complained to his boss after he complained his boss called him and two black co-workers monkeys I was just watching Planet of the Apes in interviews with the Times three black former employees described how jobs at the pioneering automaker devolved into personal nightmares due to a pattern of rampant racism and harassment at Tesla's Fremont California factory I've been to Fremont Bay Area mom that's right there Uh, the three former employees described a workplace where racist slurs in English and Spanish no say I'm Blanquito remember I said that I might look like I'm white. I'm just (sighs) disgraceful. Slurs in English and Spanish were often aimed at black employees by coworkers and supervisors and supervisors. I'll just read that one more time. English and Spanish slurs were often aimed at black employees by coworkers and supervisors as alleged in the lawsuit. They say Tesla segregated black workers into separate areas, gave them the hardest tasks and routinely denied them promotions. I thought we just echo, echo, echo. Let's see. African-American workers were routinely assigned the hardest tasks. Monica Chapman said the work nobody wanted to do. They call that spade work. That was more wear and tear on the body. For real, it's like you can look that up. Spade work. Tesla is modern day slavery. End quote. She said, echoing claims she made as part of a class action lawsuit, and we are the crabs in the barrel. It's a lot of metaphors here. Chapman's first supervisor, a white woman, transferred four South Asian men to a different route after they had worked as a team hoisting half shafts, carpets, and brake lines she told Chapman to take over. I was a skinny 115 pounds, Chapman recalled. I said, you're telling me to do a four-man job by myself? Question. Her words were, do the job or lose your job. Man not, woman not. At one point, Chapman's blood pressure dropped and she briefly fainted on her cart. 
sitting for a while at a medical station she still felt weak she asked to go home to recuperate but said she was threatened with termination so Chapman stayed for what she recalled as the worst night of my life besides the unequal assignment of factory tasks verbal harassment was a daily affliction Chapman said driving back and forth she said in the declaration filed with the lawsuit that she would hear Latino and white workers and their supervisors casually refer to black workers with nigger you would hear nigger this and nigger that she said it was the norm it was Tesla's tradition Chapman didn't hear Asian workers use the n-word she said but they would make chicken jokes a stereotype mocking of black Americans diet nobody else eats chicken really I was blackballed she said a year later in September 2019 Chapman hit a sprinkler head as she was driving down an aisle that shut down an assembly line for 15 minutes she was fired but weeks before that another driver had kept his job after crashing into five sprinklers pop 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 she said tracking her claims in the declaration in a separate multi sprinkler incident she said a worker wasn't fired despite causing a flood that shut down a line for hours I had never had an accident all those years Chapman said but they were waiting for me to make a mistake that is frequently the case in fact oh I let me see. Yeah, I'm going to I'll read the rest of it. I thought I was going to stop. So I'll continue in March after Kimberly Romby, black female, had suggested safety improvements on forklift routes that were then implemented. She was honored with a performance award certificate at a staff recognition luncheon. They love those luncheons. She said that only made co-workers jealous and the harassment escalated. Now imagine that. You recommend safety improvements that they implement. This is supposed to be about our safety and well-being. And your colleagues get out. Who is this old nigga woman sitting around here recommending safety? Who wants us to go home with all our fingers and toes? Who is this nigga woman? Insanity, ladies and gentlemen. It continues after her complaints to HR. Romby said she was shifted to a more strenuous route where she had to lift as many as 100 heavy packages a day without help. Non-black workers on that route worked in pairs, she said. During downtime at the factory when parts or trucks were delayed and line work slowed, only black workers were ordered to do general cleaning. Romby said getting on their hands and knees to scrub floors and wipe beneath shelves while white and Latino employees were allowed to take rest breaks. I will stop there. This is in the Tesla factory in California. This was in the LA Times uh, just a few hours before we went live. Uh, we will see how this lawsuit unfolds. Document 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 and I mean wow you're in a workplace where things get so bad she could have had a heart attack Monica Chapman she could have had a heart attack maybe she did have a heart attack <laughs> that's the situation that race soldiers put us in that's why this problem has to be solved immediately but that's why I said with mental health you get to that point of breaking point that's what she said in the article breaking point Be real, man. When you're in a work situation where you're about to have a heart attack on your job, there is no job worth having. I wouldn't care if you're president of the United States. 
There's no job worth having a heart attack for. Them to come and make jokes about you after you've passed away. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, commentary you would like to share, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, Bay Area Mom. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, thank you for taking my call. Oh, just because you did the Tesla, uh, you just did Tesla. Um, uh, I know Tesla, they pay a little more than Amazon. Well, I think that's where most people that out, you know, in the Bay Area, that they work for Amazon, they're working there to get to Tesla. So their their dream is to get to Tesla. Some of them um, uh, are in college, um, going to college, working at some of these jobs. But um, so those are the ones really aiming to go there. And then some people, because it pays a lot more than Amazon, um, they don't mind, you know, uh, it's, it's very harsh on your body, and they do have the um, put the, they do have the black people or um, non-black, uh, maybe Spanish-speaking people. They do they, they do um, have them doing all that hard stuff, especially on those assembly lines, and it is rough. Uh, and I'm sure they do get abused, but the way the money is, and they get it once a week, and then with the overtime. They um they bring in um three thousand, four thousand a week. So they'll sometimes they'll take it but I guess it had to be in a lawsuit. I'm I don't know who filed it, maybe somebody that's not black. But um yeah, Tesla's Tesla they don't care. Just beat it by monkey. So yeah, they don't <laughs> yeah, Tesla doesn't care. But they did try to uh, lighten up a bit um, because of the complaints and stuff. So um, they're not as rough as um, they used to be. Um, oh, so uh, the remote learning. Um, well, the one with the kids going um, that were doing the remote learning at first, and then they... Um, uh, they start getting jobs working at the uh, school district, and then just the difference. Um, well, after uh, once school started back, and and then I guess the difference of in um, the hours that they were they were more flexible with the hours. So that was I thought that was pretty okay for the kids because um, working those other jobs, like even with my son, you see how they don't care. It's coming to snow, so. I guess working for the district, for them, they can kind of 
work around their um their time and they're not out so late. So I thought that was um that was a good clip. Um also wanted to know if you could tell me the name of uh you said I should get some kind of um look into getting some kind of uh um training or take something last week but I forgot to ask what it was, so if you remember. And uh then I wanna share my work for history with Mobby real quick. So, um the lady that I'm usually complaining about or yeah, because I don't think I complain about most of the teachers. So yeah, the lady with the um the with the little girl who slapped her. So, um she came back from her um her um I guess uh leave of absence or whatever, two week off from um her doctor's note. And um so this week she's more um she's just real uh so she um already talked about um all the stuff that I did, how I changed it around. Who did this stupid writing? Who did this? Who did this? Who changed this? Who put this stupid tape here? Who did this? Where's my this? And then when I get there, um, and, uh, cause she came back Monday, so I get there Tuesday. So I get the, you know, portions of, now how's it going? You know, the black lady, she's sitting there all depressed and looking, oh, stomach hurt. She's just so this and this and this. She takes it differently, of course. So, um, she, yeah, my stomach hurt. I can't even this and this with my stomach hurt because she's so mean. Because I guess she was just, you know, who did this? This is so, so stupid. Who changed this around? Who did this? I can't even this. And I had wrote on the um, board. I separated it to where it wasn't all cluttery. And it was a lot of unused space. So it could have been little cubbies for the kids uh, for certain things, their earphones. Because they're just thrown in a tub now, just one of those Tupperware tubs. Um, and... They're just thrown on top of each other, so I figured if you separate them and put them in um, Ziploc bags, they would last a little longer since they're using these tablets and headphones. Um, that's the only thing she did, like, <laughs> was maybe the idea of the headphones but not them having their own personal cubby in these spaces that aren't even being used to leave. And um, then when I get there, uh, I guess she might, I don't know, she thought the lady was telling me what really happened that Monday, but then she's like, oh, and um, I'm so sorry I erased um, all your hard work. I was so, so bad after I did it. I was like, no big deal. No big deal. It's not a problem. No big deal. You can erase everything. It's not a problem. No, I just felt so bad because, I, uh, you know, and uh, I said, it's not a problem. So I went wherever I was going. Then I come back. She said, and where'd you get that lovely tape, that beautiful tape? Where'd you get it? I said, oh. Oh, you need a tape. And where'd you get that? I don't want to take your tape. I said, oh, you need tape? So I just used this tape, um, like maybe kind of painters, painting tape or something. And put it on the, just to separate um, 
just to create a border. So you maybe you can put this here, write this here, write this here, maybe place this here with magnets. You still have room to write all your stuff nobody's really paying attention to. You, it, it wasn't a big deal. So she did keep the tape up there. Erase everybody's schedule. What I wrote on the side was on their names that were on something laminated. So I just wrote next to their name that was laminated um, what they do each day. What they do, what they do. So you want to know where somebody is? Oh, let me look at the book. Oh, so it says it's right here. It says right here she's there. <laughs> she erased it, but then turned around and said, "Who goes to speech? Oh, no, a, a dummy! You erased it. Who knows, idiot?" And so then uh, said something about, "Where is such and such at speech, dummy?" Well, they're going to change that because it says right here on my other paper that such and such and such and such goes to speech. So my super, I guess the, the behavioralist over the, the cases, the children um, on their caseload, she must have read my notes and transferred whatever concerning information about this lady to the vice principal. So I get an email from the vice principal today asking if she um, connect with me. So I said, yeah. So we connected this afternoon on my way home. And she was just asking me, she was telling me that the uh, behavioralist was saying I had concerns. I said, well, my concerns are that if you talk, if you communicate with the children in the fashion that they're being communicated to, it'll shut them down. I also have concerns on all the they're on different educational levels, and it is March. So if this is March, they're going to a different grade between fourth grade or in junior high. Some of them aren't even ready. I don't know what what kind of system this is, but they're not ready. So if you could create something to where the children can learn at their pace. Because even though I only have uh, four people, I hit the whole classroom. I have to. There's children. They're sitting there doing stuff on the computer. They're just waiting on the time to run out because they don't know how to do whatever it is on the computer. Can you set them up for success at least? It's elementary school. The class is small enough to where you can meet them in different places where they are. You can get, I know it's at least two or three or four of them. You can put them in a group, the ones that can't read. This one little boy, it looks like he's dyslexic. Everything is backwards. He still put the sticker on the book. That's good. Your writing is getting better. Are you serious? Are you, would you stop it? The writing's not getting better. I don't even know what this stuff says. Math, I can't do the math. They're just passing the time. As long as you're sitting in that seat, you're just passing the time. School is out in June. They don't know a lot of stuff. Some of them can keep up whatever she's talking about, all this little foolish writing, but it's not benefiting them. The beneficial things that they get is on that computer, and it's only math. And that's just being tracked. You wasted from August. It's in March now. So the principal said, um, 
well, um, and I was just saying how I have one person that has really excelled since I've been there as far as his behavior. He's going into junior high school. Um, with that kind of verbal abuse, you'll shut him down. He has to do a chore. Oh, I want to be the clock monitor. I want to be the clock monitor. No! No! I want to be the clock monitor. I want to be the clock monitor. Can I be the clock monitor? All you have to do is say, okay, well, such and such clock monitor this week, but next week? Or you could be the backup clock monitor. So such and such is in here. You could do it. No! You threw away your thing. No, you don't get to do the chore. You don't have a chore. No! I need a clock monitor that's going to do their job. No! So the person that actually was the clock monitor 10 minutes later, <laughs> this is a little black boy. He's not doing his job because he's 10 minutes late to starting the clock, and he was late on Thursday starting the clock. Only God knows what happened on Wednesday with this new job. So the little boy was basically begging to be, oh, well, if I do this, can I be this? If I do this, no. No, you threw yourself and said, I don't like your tone. I don't. Now, his tone is at a one. You can't even hear him. I don't like your the words you're using. You're not using nice words. You know. So I think a lot of times she does that to get my attention. Like she's screaming out for me to do something. She's using these target uh, phrases. You know, you're not using nice words. You're not listening. You're not. I told you such and such and such and such an amount of times. I just told you seven times. I told you nine times. Like I'm supposed to come jump in. Hey, you guys, did you hear? She said this nine times. You guys, you know, I'm treating her like that. A lot of the stuff I ignore. I'll just walk over to her. I might whisper. So I'll be like, would you stop? Well, I'm going to have to hear all this hollering. Please. Thank you. And then I'll just go on or whatever, depending on the situation. But the vice principal said that, um, I guess she just appreciated uh, that I would just, you know, I have to take the notes to cover myself and to show why I'm there. So, that's why I'm there. So say this, special education, you have to have a particular patient. It's not general education. And you can't treat them like that. They all have different one-on-one needs. You can't group them like that. So for you, school district, could you take that into consideration the next time? That's it. So I didn't get in any trouble right now. I'm sure it's on and popping metaphor. Uh, I don't care uh, in real life. Um, You're not going to do this to the work that I do. You're not going to shut it down like that. But I put in a lot of work to get the boy that used to hate girls and hit girls and Follow this little black boy around. No, where's such and such? Where's such and such? I want to be where such and such is. No, only without, not without such and such. Where's such and such? I want to be right where such and such. Can such and such go to? What about him? What about him? This, he's too old. Oh, it's awful. He doesn't even do that anymore. I barely acknowledges the little boy. They're probably not even friends now. However it goes, whatever the case is, he's not the problem that he was when I came there at the beginning of the year. So to mess that work up will mess him up as well. So... I'll mute my line, and thank you for um, taking my call. Much obliged, Bay Area Mom. Uh, The test, it's the CBEST 
C B E S T. Uh, I think it's California Basic Education Standards Test. I could be wrong. It's been you know a few years, but C Best. That is the acronym, and doesn't take that long. You finish in like some one setting type of exam, um, two three hours, something like that. I don't know, uh, but it's pretty basic. Um, just so that you can substitute teach and nice little credential you're already working in the school system get that knocked down and might you know a few other little opportunities or ways to kind of get in full-time get some more benefits and maybe get away from some of those treacherous uh racist white teachers uh, i think you can probably take it online in fact just yeah you can log in see when they offer it next down there um as for wow the vindictive white women in the workplace to be coming up like that's not a oh man you put all that time and energy in and writing all that stuff on the board and my bad I took it all down or thank you for doing that you know took it down gotta move forward and everything but thanks so much that was just I don't know I took all that mess down you know I took all that I mean she may have been saying like oh so sorry you took all that time because I took all that down think we're leaving that up i took all that down as soon as you left matter of fact i don't care if it was helpful not helpful you think you are this is my classroom come here and think you're gonna beautify something make some put your mark on i put all that in trash immediately all that all the little knickknacks and things you put in the little baskets and things call you such organize you take care of your little brothers and sisters man i took all that stuff down schedules and i put it all in trash as soon as you left mm-hmm 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 <laughs> come back and say well well see they change everything up every see you know you never really know you know where they're going so it's just a waste of time anyway yeah <laughs> and then she said she comes like what 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 class is 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 lisa do you know what class she's in it was it was on the see and the repeatedly nothing about you said what type of system is this other than the system of white supremacy that's what it is no, we don't have any organization. No, we don't have any coordination. Coordination. No, I don't have a plan for these little nigger children. You try to put a plan, and as soon as you turn around, what I do? I go sabotage all that. Rip that up. As soon as she plant the seeds, I come right behind and pluck every one of them out of the ground. That's just what I do. That's just what I do. It's not by accident. I plan to do that. In fact, this is the plan. You have to work kind of hard to have a child where normally children are inquisitive and they want to learn, want to know how things work. You have to put some time and energy to kill all of that. Have a child who comes into you in September and they exit in June and have not learned one thing like that takes some planning. You have to put some effort to discourage them for the entire year. We're just wasting time twiddling our thumbs and all righty, we're going to do a reading assignment. I can't read. I know. When you get done with your reading assignment, just put your hand up. That's what we, what we... I would like to read. It seems like it might be some cool things to read. Uh, Oh, well. Play on YouTube. She said we're just watching the clock tick down. That's what everybody... we just watching the clock tick down. And I mean, like, literally... Not just the clock for today, like Friday the 25th, like watching the clock tick down on this whole academic year and 
getting my jumpsuit ready, basically. Play around with sex. This is what you can look forward to with your child. Where's the plan? That's what they said in the uh, report that we heard at the beginning. Like, we got no structure. COVID took the guard railings. That was the metaphor that they used. Where's all that for these children? These are the children who need the most. She said these folks could be going to high school at some point. Are they ready? Nope. June is almost here. I know. That's what I'm doing. When I give them their read time, I'm looking at my bikinis. I got my summer planned out. Like, we're going to Cancun. Like, woof. Got it together. I don't know what y'all going to be doing for your summertime. I'm going to be enjoying myself. You can't even spell Cancun. You play around with sex. This is what you can expect for your children. And then even the black educators, you try and stumble and fumble and see if I can do something to help out. And let's help us pull us ourselves up by our, our bootstraps and they come around and cut the laces as soon as you leave metaphor white women white women educators mm. Mm. and then even the tape I mean just simple things like are you serious she said where did you get that tape from like are you a Neanderthal you've never seen tape before they don't have tape at the dollar store See, if you're in Fremont, I don't know where she lives. Maybe she lives in Walnut Creek. They don't have tape in Walnut Creek. They don't have different. It was different color tape. The, the, the tape threw off. She's only seen the transparent tape. They don't have color tape in Walnut Creek. The affluent parts of the Bay Area, they don't, they don't have colored tape. That's what you're talking about. Absolutely disgraceful. See, when I, when I hear that sort of nonsense... You you wiped all the notes down off the board, then you're gonna come give me some fake. Oh, I'm so sorry. Then you took all the class together, ripped all that up, throw that in the trash. Wow, where did you get that tape from? That's just amazing. Do you need some tape? No, I mean really. Dollar store, they got tape, man. Like really, this is not. They probably got tape. Most of the schools that I've been to. They got tape. They get, get it by the rack. They go to Costco and have barrels of the stuff. You can go down and get whatever you need. You're an educator. What do you need? You're telling me you don't know how to get tape? How did you graduate from high school? That sort of nonsense. Like, we plant same thing with just basic before. She said it was popsicle sticks. Their writing isn't too. She said lines. That's so common. That right there. That is horrendous. Neely Fuller Jr. I've heard him talk publicly. No shame. He said I failed the first grade. He didn't say it like oh my god. That's a disgrace. You're going to think less of me. Number one. He already told you I'm a retarded victim of white supremacy. But he said I failed the first grade. They didn't do that to Neely Fuller Jr. Thank God. He didn't say that they. Oh that's all right Neely. Just go on head through. Just keep on rolling. They didn't do that. He said no you can't spell. You have to hang out. Do it again until you figure it out. And he said he got it was rocking and rolling. Who knew? He write a book later on. That's what you want. Get it correct. You don't just want that. Oh, okay, you, you're fine. Come on, Jamal. Just come on through. That's great. Uh-huh. That's right. You did a great job. Your handwriting has just improved. Wow. Look at that. That's just a... What? I can't even read that. What are you talking about? Now, you let him go in the bank and try and write a note. To, uh, excuse me, ma'am. I just want to write down if you could check out 
X amount of dollars so that I could cash it. Thank you, guys. You for sure going to jail. But that's disgrace, and to have that sort of thing happen all the time, and even to think that's master deception right there, passing children along and saying that this person is competent, this child is competent, and they have all the information that they're, they're supposed to have before they matriculate to whatever it is ninth grade, tenth grade, high school, you know, whatever. That right there is master deception and a massive act of white supremacy racism. Like, I know I'm setting you up for failure. Totally. What are you going to do? You can't even read. You can't even write. Chicken scratch. That's what they used to call it. A game. You play around with sex. That's what you end up with. Being in the eighth grade. Steps away from driving and you can't even write. Can't even read. Functionally illiterate. White woman to blame. And then she's a... such a great job you did such a great job bravo same thing that's the same thing like oh don't call me a slave tell me that I'm enslaved I'm a forced migrant if I'm illiterate just go ahead and say that I'm illiterate chicken scratch that's what you got just say that you're a slave you're a slave you can't read you got chickens got fine all of that can be changed but we got to start with the truth racists love to lie and lie to a child that's a disgrace Anywho, much obliged, Bay Area mom. Uh, number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email is untiljustice at gmail. Dot com. Uh, let's see. B in Toronto emailed us. Make sure I get her email in as well. Uh, she writes, uh, Hi, Gus. Hope you are staying safe and healthy. Uh, greetings to you, callers and listeners. Uh, make my page a little bit bigger here. Let's see. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Uh, greetings to you, callers and listeners. I have some helpful hints that I've come across to access information while doing a job search. To update, looking for a more stable plantation to continue the quest for survival. Resources are scarce and times, and at times the situation is stressful, but coping far better since escaping from the abusive overseer at the other plantation. There's that word again. Multiple, actually. Uh, all of the stress we've been talking about. Your mental health, do not allow an abuser on your plantation to get you to the breaking point. B continues. So this is what I found out since the COVID pandemic they, that we are still in. So that we are still in. So continue to utilize safety gear and keep distance. There has been a lot of vacant positions in various industries and educational opportunities. The thing is, a lot of these vacant postings and or educational opportunities are not showing up on employer or government websites. Instead, as I have found out, employers are going to specific employment agencies, government and private, to target groups as part of their employment diversity and inclusion mission. The thing is, employers, government and national international conglomerates are being selective 
on who gets access to the information about these vacancies. So the target groups are employment agencies who provide support to women equal VGQ. We know what code word is for new immigrants, college and university students. The link to access very vacant positions are often made private so the general public are not in the know. In addition, globally, there are educational institutions that are allowing Ukrainian white students access to free tuition, board and money for at least two years in designated safe countries like Canada, Poland, Germany, the UK, America, etc. It is interesting that amidst the resource shortage, inflation and the so-called costs due to the pandemic, these countries can somehow afford the hospitality and resources to Ukrainian students. But I digress. Here is the solution. Connect with employment agencies and participate in Zoom info sessions or you could request to have one facilitated or you could facilitate one if you have an audience. This is how I was able to access the private link to vaccines not on the or vacancies. Sorry, it's vacancies. Vaccines been so prevalent. Vacancies not on the employer main page. Another solution is to contact the educational institution that you would like to go to and inquire if they have resources for free resources for Ukrainian students. Note the answer. If yes, place in writing to the school and local state politician that as a citizen of the country who pay taxes and have fallen on hard times, you would like to be afforded the same resources as the Ukrainian students in your country. As for the politicians, remind them that it is voting season soon. And as a constituent, you will be monitoring closely how you are being treated as a citizen. Ask the educational institution to administer administrator to place their response in writing and escalate the matter until you obtain the resources you are to receive. Now is not the time to quibble on why people should not be called victims. We are victims and it needs to be fully expressed. Those who claim they are not victims hinder the process. Ukrainians are screaming. They are victims even though they too were perpetrators to the African students seeking safe exodus out of Ukraine and yet Ukrainian students are getting free tuition, accommodation and also money in your country on your dime, some of them at HBCUs, while you get nothing but student debt. Remember that. Peace and blessings. B from Toronto much obliged for sharing that is like so rampant like the we were talking about like the nepotism last week uh, in terms of uh many vacancies not being promoted it'll be something that's hidden they'll just you know share with their homie that's how you end up sometimes there'll be a vacancy nobody knows it and then they just show up on monday oh we want to introduce you a brand new employee uh you know hillary jackson and she'll just be starting with the company she and my the ceo have actually been great friends and actually uh my niece and and all three they Went to uh, middle school, high school, junior college for a few years. And uh, we think she'll be a great fit in the company. And already had plans to hang out this summer. So we might as well work together. We'll all get around great. That sort of thing. Widespread. <laughs> Where you don't even know. Like, dang, they had an opening in the, I would have applied. With, with. Cronyism. Nepotism. Widespread and globally. Because she's in Toronto. Globally. This sort of thing happens where, again, doesn't matter if you're competent, well qualified. It's not even what we're concerned about. Looking out for my homies. Other individuals classified as white. 
but excellent suggestions uh, that she gave on contacting some of these institutions and what have you uh, for different ways to try to get access uh, to some of these resources just so that you can be in the know, you know, about some of these positions uh, that may be open as well as, hey, are they do they have any programs? Because like I said, even some HBCUs uh, have programs for some of these Ukrainian refugees. So, yeah, see if you can take advantage, at least ask if they got ref, uh, resources to hook them up, then you can look out for a victim of white supremacy racism for sure. Help me get on my feet too. metaphor. Much obliged to be in Toronto. Uh, the email is until justice at gmail.com. The number seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Other folks dialed in if you have uh, either your own situation to share, if you have any uh, tips, suggestions uh, to share on what has been shared with us thus far, proceed. Folks are taking a moment to get their thoughts together. Oh, I missed some of the, uh, some of the folks on the line, too. Uh, let's see. While folks are getting their thoughts together, and I'm figuring out the switchboard, we should be here tomorrow. Compensatory call at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. I'll uh, we'll review commentary from the past week or so. Might have to. That's uh, kind of workplace racism, but I felt that, I mean, certainly is worthy of review for the compensatory call in as well. Students across the country being so short staffed that they're calling on the National Guard to come in to help them educate? Hmm. If this is happening in your area, wow, please call in. If you can't call in, you can email untiljustice at gmail.com. Like, why? Like when I say right at the beginning, if you work someplace, if something happens, an emergency, and you need, you know, a day or a week or whatever it is to kind of straighten things out with your child, that would be such yeah. an occasion like what the national guard is coming into the school to do what to teach our middle school like, whatever like what oh yeah we gotta <laughs> figure out something i mean what are they wearing fatigues <laughs> what does that mean what what like uh yeah Lots of concern. I don't have children, but I mean, wow, that was like one of the most stunning things that I saw this week. Uh, we'll have to mandatory have to talk about that one tomorrow. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if they have uh, commentary to share, proceed. Um, yeah, I, I had um, a few, I guess, observations. Um, uh, some of them had to do with what you were speaking about today. Um, in fact, this week, um, some people in the office were angry because um, I guess the the holiday party 
is no longer going to be at a specific restaurant that they really liked and uh, the restaurant, you know, they could drink alcohol, but um, the, I guess the people in charge put in like a cafe at the, I guess at the area that we work. So people, so the holiday party has to be at this cafe or cafeteria. So there's no alcohol. And so they were really angry about that, Um, you know, and then there's a lot of jokes about alcohol in the workplace. Um, Like, um, like if sometimes I'll, like if sometimes I'll be drinking water and like, like a white person will say, Oh, you got vodka there or something like that. Um, Or in team meetings, um, they'll they'll comment about how they can't wait to go and have a beer. Just just general jokes about alcohol. Um, since um, <clears throat> I am a I guess I am a kafir I guess uh, I guess I'm, I I don't maybe I don't qualify as a um, as the as the N word, but I, I I do qualify as a kafir. And um, yes, the drinking just from somebody that has lived there for periods of time. And, um, yeah, the drinking is quite horrific there. Um, in fact, it, it made me think that, like, um, I did some of my high school there, and I think in my neighborhood, the neighborhood that I, that I lived in was almost all black, and I cannot say I remember uh a male like father or something like that didn't drink like or that didn't drink a lot like like that i would say that wasn't uh like a functional alcoholic um i think like i think i had like maybe like two uncles but that was like because like i think like like their wives were very adamant about it like pre-marriage or something like that but most of the most of the black males there are functional alcoholics. I'll put it that way. Um, uh, there was some of the the leading like white people at my company came to do like a it was like the CEO and I guess uh, the board director, the director of the board or the head of the board. Um, the, what is the yeah the head of the board or something like that. Um, Came and they did like one of those like uh, like presentations and um, and there was a question I guess portion and one of the questions stunningly to me was like somebody uh, I guess had you could write in and somebody had written in and asked if there was if they were going to have a black board member and um, I thought that was a very interesting it wasn't like you know people of color that they just they 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 said black. Um, and then my last observation. Oh, and then I have a question. My last observation was, um, it was like, a, it was like a week long sort of like diversity thing that they did where they had shirts and all. I didn't partake, um, but they had shirts and all this stuff. And I think I was surprised, but I think they had made it mandatory like you could get like some sort of like points and you could get you could you could get like better opportunities like like you could get like points and um 
if you participated and you wore these shirts. So people were wearing these shirts and talking about diversity and all this stuff. And then um, I guess the area of my work, there came up like um, five openings. Sorry, four four openings. Uh, Five openings came up, but four got filled. And the four openings that got filled, it was like three white women and white, white men. And there were several non-white people that were vying for those positions. And so, I mean, I'm laughing because it was just like ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't really ridiculous. It was the system, but it's like the, the phony, the phoniness, the, in fact, the non-white black person, I'm not, he, like, I don't, I don't talk about racism in the workplace, but he sometimes will say something and then he kept on t- using the word fake. He's just like, everybody's fake. In fact, he's found another position and he's leaving this group. But yeah, um, the phony, I guess, diversity and things like that. I don't know, like, um, I have, like, lately I've been listening to the archives because it's difficult to call in. Um, but that gentleman... The one is it Warless Jackson, the um, the one that got bombed. Um, if if I heard correctly, the there was somebody else prior to him that I guess had got that had gotten a promotion and I guess had accepted it and had gotten bombed. Um, so I guess my question is, like. I don't know. I think maybe this was discussed, but maybe I haven't heard. Like, what? Like, when such. I know, like, nowadays, maybe it's not that horrific, but if there's, like, if the people in front of you or the person before you went through something that that is horrific in the workplace, not, I mean, of course, not as, as horrific as this, but, like, how much do people take that into consideration? Or. Like, are are we still, do, do people think that most non-white people are still just focused maybe getting money? Like, or maybe, because the gentleman, like, I think said that, you know, he needed the money, he was going to be able to provide for his family and da-da-da-da. Um, I mean, he had legitimate reasons. So I'm just wondering, like, what is the, what is the code? Like, what, what or do people have codes or do they have, um, I don't know what, like, do you accept and then um, be careful, move away? I'm just, uh, or like, I don't know. I guess I'm just wondering like what people thought about that. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. The black African uh, cows investor and uh, yoga retreat alumnus. Uh, as for the question, um. Hmm. Seems like it could be kind of a united independent where, you know, each individual might have to kind of make an assessment, you know, in terms of what they're how much of a risk do you think this is going to be if you take this position or uh, any other move that you decide to take? Like, how much of a risk do I think this is going to be? And am I willing to accept that risk? Um, I believe uh, Worthless Jackson, the, they just did the documentary. Uh, American Reckoning where I said that's such a terrible name for documentary film but that's what they picked uh, just came out a few days ago 
should be available uh, online to watch. But, um, I mean, and, and I guess to compare, because that's from the 60s uh, when he was bombed, no one prosecuted. Uh, we had a black female. She lives in Oregon right down the road from me. She said she came in on Dr. King's uh, holiday. This is 2012. She came in to a hospital in Salem, Oregon, and it said leave or die. And there was a bullet on her desk with the note. And that's one. Uh, certainly, I think President Obama would count the historic number of death threats. I mean, there still are quite a few black people who take jobs even now uh, where they face, face uh, flagrant intimidation and threats of violence um yeah i mean if i'm and she was a mom uh the black female uh down in portland that's in the archives she's a black mom attempted wife now for some people that might be an assessment right now now how much do i value this job the young lady that i read at tesla sounded like she was having a heart attack at work where she slumped down on the machine and had maybe even a panic attack at minimum and you know what is going on now that's an assessment too, you know. Now, how much is this job worth? Is it worth me having a heart attack? Is it worth me coming in and someone, you know, putting a bullet on my desk and threatening to kill me? That is certainly something to uh, think about. You know, everybody will have, you know, their own answers to that question. Say, hey, I'm not going to be intimidated. I earned this job. You're not going to, you know, talk some trash and make me leave and all the rest of it. I earned this position. I can see the logic of that. I can also see, hey, you know, they just killed the person who tried to take this position and my life is worth more than this job. I can see that, too. Um, I think it's just one you kind of have to. How, what are you willing to risk uh, as a victim of white supremacy? What what choice is going to make the most sense for you, uh, given the information that you have to work with and uh, just trying to decide as best you can with the circumstance that you have? But I mean, yeah, it's unfortunately a lot of black people still face that sort of violence uh, in the workplace. Sir, we've even had uh, black enforcement officers who talked about being threatened uh, and intimidated. We had some of them as guests on the program, too, who talked about that sort of thing in the workplace. So, yeah, that might be more common than we realize. Um, let's see. As for the house, he said they got mad. They changed up. They maybe they they saw the same research that I heard. At the beginning of today's program, like, wow, 30 missed days a year for people who, you know, are reckless with their alcohol consumption and all these other problems. Like, wow, maybe we don't want to contribute to that. Yeah, let's let's we'll, we'll still have the, the white Jesus birthday party and everything. We'll just do it in the cafeteria. No big deal. What? Oh, this is a disgrace. I, we can't have a, how you going to have a Christmas party? Not have some rum. Not have vodka. Not have some tequila. Like what? I thought this was a religious holiday. We can't. We can't have a little merriment. Keep it sober. Keep it G-rated. You can still go home and drink all you want. <sighs> that that in and of itself is weird, and not just like this has ruined everything. Like really, that was that's the most important part of the Christmas party is getting drunk. Hmm. Thought you enjoyed my company. Uh, sobriety would be best. Um, I have seen that as well. All those jokes in the workplace. Uh, you know, you go to get a coffee. Is it going to be a little bourbon in there? Scotch in there? <laughs> what? <laughs> 30 missed days per person. They said it totaled over 200 
million missed days per year. That's probably an undercount, I would suggest. Uh, and then they, who I don't know who asked specifically about Black Moore member, but bravo, like make it plain, like we're not trying to get people of color and diversity and all that other nonsense and how many transgender individuals and how many white women and gay white men and disabled white people. How many black board members are we going to hire? Make it plain. I love it. Uh, And then you see why you have to do that because he said they went out, they had five positions, four got filled. Who did they hire? Did we get robust black male privilege in fact was it even those no count niggers who weren't even born here they just come in and take everything from us old African Americans nope white women they didn't even specify could have been white women born in France white women born in Australia white women born in Ukraine who knows white women could have got Charlize Throne right she would have been African American like for real for real white women and one white man. He could have been gay or transgender, disabled, 80 years old. You got to get the elderly in there, too. Pitiful all the way around. Um, like I said, the alcoholism, major component, product of white supremacy, racism, it is really bad. Like I talked about, they have whole sections in the library here about lynching Negroes. That is like a whole section in the library. Alcoholism in South Africa as a result of white supremacy racism. Like, and decades and decades where this has just gone on and on and on. I don't know. I guess he said he knew a couple and it sounded like he wasn't exaggerating. Like literally two people maybe males who would even that because I think he, it sounded like there might have been a black misandry component there where the males were the ones suffering from a lot of this alcoholism mm. uh, you said that the wives were staunch about that seeming like maybe they put their foot down metaphor about that drinking before the marriage I wonder what they had seen that would make them take such a stance on drinking and sounding like that old looney coon gusty renegade sobriety would be best or even mandatory hmm have to grab a book on that next time I visit the library but there are lots and lots and lots much obliged the black African Uh, let's see excellent discipline I will add because that can be one where you know a black person they come out and they don't get the job like they hired all these white women we already had all these white women here and gave it to this old white man and blah 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 and all that thinking blah 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 that can be a time where you can be tempted to be like man have you heard Neely Fuller Jr. man you ought to read Dr. Francis Christ Welsing man have you read your Ruga? and I do not suggest any of that because they might be mad for a day you said it seemed like he was getting a job and going to a different company and all that. And, you know, peace be upon him. Hope it works out great and everything. Big salary increase and all that. But I generally would resist the urge even then for all the reasons that I normally give. Like he might be legitimate, angry, authentically upset about white supremacy, racism and down to learn about Mr. Fuller and all the rest of it. But you have no idea who's listening. Maybe he's authentically upset today. By Monday, he might have calmed down and be legit. 
maybe you have some white friends there and they made him see things differently and now you're straight and do you remember that coon was talking all that craziness about white supremacy on Friday I can't wait until I go tell the supervisor now I'm not saying that's going to happen but generally I'm very cautious when I no talking about racism in the workplace for about a billion different reasons so I can certainly empathize and I feel you the fakeness yes it is very rampant in the workplace but unless we had a rapport and I trusted this person even then I'm going to be very leery about talking about racism even though that is exactly what he's talking about with all the fakeness deception Uh, let us see the number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate I've heard that before the white people being upset when something happened and I've heard where people got fired because of their misconduct and uh, drug alcohol consumption at these shindigs where they switch it up next time around say, ah, you know, last time people got out of control and they broke the chandelier and blah 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 we had to call the police so now we're going to have the party at the cafeteria place where it'll be sober people can behave themselves all the rest of it I've seen that <laughs> people get in it. why is it even that big a deal you can drink you can go home get all the liquor you need you got liquor at home right now why is it a problem The mysteries of racist man, racist woman, racist child. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Hey, Gus. Our caller in Ohio. Yes, sir. Uh, the second caller who is behind me, right, the person who called behind me, uh, he, was, he said he made a, a statement and he said um, something of the effect of uh, he rarely has seen any, like, research or information about uh, non-black but non-white folks who work in the tech industry, you know, suing over discrimination and lawsuits of that nature. And what I wanted to say to him is, I want to say it's about maybe two years ago, I was reading an article. It was around the time of the whole George Floyd thing, and everybody was kind of starting to come clean about uh, anti-blackness views they have in their communities and the practices that they have across the spectrum, not just white people, but non-white, non-black people, and some, some even black people. But um, there's this guy, he was, uh, I want to say, East, Asian, like East Indian. I don't know if you know about uh, over there in India, the caste system. Well, I guess the guy fell into the untouchable range, which are considered like the black people of India. Um, they're the lowest of the lowest. They're abused and mistreated, uh, murdered, you know, pretty much same thing that happens for black people around the globe. They're treated that way. But, um, it's more of a, from my understanding of it, a, uh, they're all kind of of the same lineage, though. It's not like they're Africans, per se. They're, they're just a darker version of, I guess, if you consider the 
East Indians or people from India to be part of the Dravidian tribe or whatever it may be. But long story short, the guy was saying that he came from that group and that when he came over to America, that was the first time that he, that he was able to actually not be the target of um, like racism or systematic oppression. And the challenge that he would face is that I guess he got a nice, comfortable position in Silicon Valley where he makes a lot of money. And he was saying that back in his home country, that never be the case because he would get treated like black people do in America. And so he was talking about his so-called struggle that he deals with uh, knowing what it is that black people go through because he experienced it himself for being an untouchable in India while at the same time getting benefit from the mistreatment of black people in America. So I think what I took away from it is I think that's much more common in America for non-white, non-black people than black people know of. It's just that they don't voice it that much. So that's why that guy was able to talk about, oh, he knows just what it's like to be treated like that because in India he'd be getting treated like that by the Brahmin class and some of the higher classes of folks because the untouchables are actually like under the pyramid from my understanding of it. There's a pyramid that they have in a caste system, but the untouchables aren't even connected to it. They're under the system. So it was an interesting read. So I say that because if you get the chance, I'll see if I can find it, the article, and I'll try to send it to you if I do, Gus. But that's why I think a lot of times we don't hear many more of those lawsuits coming from uh, discrimination or racial lawsuits coming from non-black people because a lot of the people who get to come over who are non-black and might be non-white, they get put in a, a caste system a little bit more higher than black people. So there's the capacity for them to be able to look and say, well, you know, back in my home country, I would have been getting treated like the black person. But now in America, I'm not. I'm actually able to get benefit out of that black person getting mistreated just as it would have gone down for some non-untouchable over in India getting benefit out of the untouchables being mistreated. I just wanted to add that to it. I'll mute my line. Much obliged, our caller in Ohio. Uh, system of white supremacy is definitely, definitely a racial hierarchy. Black get back. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing uh, talked about that on a pretty regular basis. Uh, if you can find the uh, report where this victim is uh, speaking, let us know. Uh, I think at least the folks familiar with the book club, oh yeah, they should remember second, or, or it's tied now, visions second tied for second worst book Gus has ever read Isabel Wilkerson's case lots of information uh, the racial hierarchy system that they have in India and comparing uh, the lower caste folks to uh, the darkest people to the black people here uh, in the states uh, even though it's kind of short short shrift in the uh, book I know one thing uh, from our caller who was talking about the difference in treatment I don't know about lawsuits per se and Silicon Valley is certainly not my area of expertise, not that I have one. But I know Pammy in her visit, Pamela Evans-Harris, the late uh, in her visit here, she talked about and leading. Hey, I don't believe so-called Indians, non-white, non-black people. I don't believe that they are subjected to the same level of terrorism in the area of labor or any other area of people activity as individuals classified as black. That said, she said that she was saying where individuals who non-white people, so-called Indians, she said, especially Indian males, she said she was seeing lots of reports where they reporting the type of racism that they experienced 
they might get a better job, better, better salary, move up to a better position than the black people, the small number of black people that they allow into the tech field. She was saying they were still getting a lot of racism, one, and not being able to get to those high up, you know, executive positions, even though they're doing better than the black people. And she said that they endured all kinds of harassment, sexual harassment from white women. Now, I can definitely see why that would be one that would not get a lot of uh, attention, especially now in Me Too. But I remember Pam talked about that quite a bit on saying that it was so many uh, Asian males who were saying that it was just, you know, and Stary, uh Jeffrey Sandusky is Jenny Sandusky. I was <laughs> going around and doing all this and, you know, they're married, got their own thing. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't just trying to do, take care of my family and all this. What is going on here? Uh, and so she said it was a lot of that that she saw. Uh, I'm sure that white supremacy racism is impacting them as well. Just not in the way that it would if they're classified as black. But yes, please send me the article. I'll share it with other folks. Uh, if you can drop it to me via email until justice at gmail.com. Oh, hey, Gus, I got something to add to it. Did you see, there's an article out, I, I'm going to look into it, but somebody had published something about uh, Jenny Buss, the owner of the Lakers. I guess they said she had some type of fancy for black athletes. I, I, I saw it and I thought, I got to run this past Gus because I know you'll have a good time with it, but I didn't get to read it, but it was like, uh, I forget, I, I'm, I'm going to look into it, but there's some... I guess investigation or somebody was leaking information about her having a fancy for the, uh, I guess, black players that she owns. I mean, all, I mean, I hadn't heard that specifically. So, I mean, you know, we shall see, but I mean, none of that. Why would any of that be stunning to me? Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers literally shared the exact same arena with Donald Sterling for decades he was accused of the exact same thing they're all homies she's been hanging out growing up that she grew up in the same arena hanging out I'm sure she knows Donald Sterling and what have you I'm sure he's not the only one because they had public reports where he was in there watching them in the shower and fetishizing after them and all that so why would that be you know shocking or strange that a white woman had some sort of sexual fetish for black males and she just happens to own the Lakers. Like, uh, yeah, sounds very, very believable, even though I haven't seen any information or what have you. L.A., why would that be bizarre? I mean, that's par for the course. That's what it's supposed to be. That's perks of the job, I would think. Have to investigate that uh, a little bit more as, as uh, yeah, once we get off the air, have to see. But, yeah, that's no surprise there at all very widespread throughout uh, probably widespread throughout athletics in general I said that within I think the last month or so when they were talking all that about the um, the investigation into the toxic Washington I'm never saying commanders it is redskins until the system of white supremacy has been replaced so and they started the investigation it was the Washington Redskins it wasn't even the football team uh, about swapping all these pictures, nude photographs, of cheerleaders and other employees and all this nonsense. Uh, when they were going through all of that information, like, do I think this is the only team where they are doing this sort of thing? I said then they should have released that, all the details of that investigation. That's why I said it's par for the course for that sort of thing. That comes with the job. So, psh, 
out there sitting around swapping pictures and talking. I think even there were allegations about that for the fellow with the Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver, uh, where he didn't get fired or anything, but that's another one that's ongoing where they were saying he was making some sort of sexually inappropriate comments about other staff and people that worked there like widespread. So that's not uh, any sort of kind of a, a one-off thing. That seems to be a part of white culture for white men and white women. In fact, we talked with Dr. Gerald Horn. He should be a guest on the program uh, Wednesday, March 30. Yes, Wednesday. He should be a guest on the program. But he was here last year. We talked uh, bittersweet. He talked about Mae West. She uh, was a manager for one of the black boxing heavyweight champions at the time. I was like, dude, what? What? I would think the same thing like oh put myself where hey I'm the manager and now I also can be here and enjoy partake all these what did Donald say how do you say it Donald so he said all these nude black bodies and I own them I'm the boss how S.E. Mae Washington Williams says lord of the plantation just so happens the lord of this plantation is a woman Not surprised at all. Very common system of racism. White system. A lot of things just don't get talked about, whether it's white men putting themselves in position, because that's what Dr. Gerald Horn said. White men putting themselves in position where they could lust after black bodies or white women doing the same thing It's 2022 equal access. That'd be another reason to have your children avoid all the professional. That's so consistent. Jerry Sandusky has so many examples of that. Like, yeah, this is about athletics and getting you an education and all that. And uh, I'm raping children and taking advantage of black bodies. Same thing they've been doing forever. Check on the Lakers later. Uh, Let's see. Other folks who dialed in. Number again is 720-716. Seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Folks all satisfied? Anything else they need to make sure they share before we conclude? Suggestions, problems? Folks might be satisfied for the evening. Uh, we should be here tomorrow for our compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll review what's happened over the past uh, week or so. Uh, try and make sense of things as we can. Dr. Gerald Horn should be with us uh, this coming Wednesday, normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, definitely let us know how things are changing in the workplace with the whole COVID-19. That's another reason why I said, hey, shouldn't be any spectating with everything that's happening right now because, wow, just trying to keep up with what the policy and procedure is uh, in workplaces. I know in New York where they had really tough uh, COVID-19 protocols and what have you, 
Uh, I think Mayor Eric Adams, black male, uh, had been saying that he was looking at uh, perhaps removing, rescinding the COVID-19 mandates and what have you for businesses uh, and what have you. I think some of that pressure is because uh, of all the goofy things. Baseball season, white people in their ball games uh, is supposed to be starting soon. Uh, and I think they had a number of baseball players. I suspect they're probably white. Uh, who have been scoffing about these vaccine mandates and I'm not going to do it. You're not going to make me take it. It's my body. Uh, and so they're talking about uh, they've been asking, are they going to enforce this equally? So if you don't get vaccinated, even if you play for the Yankees, that means you can't go out there and swing that bat. Is that is that going to be enforced equally the same way you've done it with everybody else? Because you've had cows listeners in the New York metropolitan area who've been fired, lost their job because they didn't want to be vaccinated. So. It's going to same thing I said before. Constitution, equal enforcement. That's what's going to happen here. Lots of people have been watching that one. Or is it going to be removed completely? That says, hey, we're done with the Rona. Forget all that. We're done. Lots of different things to, uh, you know, be mindful about. Shouldn't be any reason for uh, spectating with all of the dynamic changes that are happening seemingly every five minutes. But we will uh, make sense of all of that tomorrow. Uh, the compensatory call in and then as I said Dr. Gerald Horn this coming Wednesday uh, as we move forward. Uh, Folks got in everything they needed. Our last check everyone satisfied? May I be heard? Caller in Florida? Yes sir. Yes sir. Thank you very much sir. Greetings to Augusta host have to share some reports from the um last week or the last couple of days there was a screenshot I did of a recent Facebook post of um two of the white women uh making a comment about Girl Scout cookies um, and one one click member said that they'll be out there Friday and then another one says that you're just being a that you're just out there telling them where the popo is where the drug dealers are um, and said that you're a snitch, you know, and making a joke about that. Uh, another one was we received uh, a paper and the new HR white woman apparently has been only passing out this paper with these questions on it. I hadn't even really finished looking at or responding to the uh, questions that are on the paper. I guess it's about... Um, you know, how are you liking the job or what's your most major responsibilities? What do you like least about your job? What do you like most? Questions like that. Uh, it seems like ours are the most detailed questions and the victim of racism on the opposite end of the courthouse. They, okay, they receive the list of questions, but on the top of it, it says, employee survey HR white woman passed them out but ones the one that I received 
It just says a two-way conversation. You know, so I'm thinking deception. Like, you know, that term was used. I heard that term was used um, this evening on the broadcast. And I'm thinking of that word deception. Like, they, they just pretty much used, they passed it out to us first. I got it from the, the supervisor. And it was a list of questions. I have to read it uh, next week. And it says ways for a two-way conversation. And then it says something about performance review. But on the victim, she showed me that it was passed out to her and it was a different title. It said employee survey. Uh, and I think it's because of the race, the racism, the race issues, and mainly being caused by white women. Um, mainly the the one that's in the Wharton position in the last couple of days but you know 36 years of doing this and she hired a uh, younger white woman who was hired on maybe like 15 to 20 white women in the last eight years um so this has caused a lot of damage to the office so i think it's coming from that and she's been very angry and distant you know I would say she holding the grudge too, just to, you know, throw that in there. But these questions have been passed out and most of the staff in the department that I work in hasn't given a response because the uh, white woman, my supervisor, wanted to have a meeting about that, about those questions. Okay. And we were supposed to have a general meeting, but we never got to it. Um, my next one is, there was a joke, right? So this guy, he's a white man, blonde hair, blue eyes, and cowbell because he, he, he liked to say he's married to some, you know, someone from Thailand. Um, Asian, right? So uh, he he he's talking about fasting and all this type of stuff. Um, so he's walking out with this this, this non-white non. All of a sudden, he brings about a joke, and he's walking with this this female, and. I only want to listen to the joke just to write it down. So he says, what do you say? What do you say to a woman with two black eyes? And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, I just said, you know, what is it? And he says something like, nothing that you haven't already told her before. So they, they come up with all these kinds of jokes and it's formatted. And it has the same kind of setups. And, the, you know, the punchlines usually are the same. And the white females, they joke the same way. You know, because they, and then they teach the non-white people. And I shared this, um, this this uh, non-white female, she tried to share a joke. I was like, oh, no, no, no. And I said, isn't this the joke you said when you used to work two years ago over on the other side of the segregated area? about the 
what do you call a dirty joke, a white horse fall in the mud? So, you know, I cut off and the white people started laughing, you know, and I just walked off. Um, and I have another one. Uh, there was two decorations because they like to uh, go overboard or not overboard. They're excessive with the, I guess, occasion or holiday themed decorations. And, you know, they know not to bring anything to where I sit or the desk that I've been assigned. So I walk in this morning and because, you know, I seen the victim, black female, she put up the decorations that some white person, I think, went out and bought. So it's two different decorations. Now, where she sits at, the desk she's been assigned. She put up a decoration that's got a cartoon rabbit. And it's, I guess, Easter thing. See, now we, we're still in March. So uh, this is a decoration that says Happy Easter. And the rabbit, um, you know, albino affairs, I'll throw that line in there because white, blue eyes. Uh, and then I look over to where the white woman sits at. And there's a similar decoration. And this is a cartoon rabbit that's brown. All right. And there's a message under it. And it says, every bunny, every bunny's welcome. Now, that's automatically race. That's racial. Some, you know, some white person came up with that. So I'm just standing in there. So I said, I said, dang, I said, let me pull my phone out. So I took a picture of it. I took a picture of, of the, the white rabbit. And then I took a picture of the brown rabbit. But the brown rabbit says every bunny's welcome. So it's, I guess the so-called play on words, everybody's welcome. But this is talking about rabbits. So they put that decoration up where they have the black people in the segregated area. And everywhere else, they don't have that same kind of decoration up. So, you know, I don't know who bought those decorations, but, you know, I've already shared with them that I don't want any of that. But that's one of the things that I, I'm not surprised to spot, uh, you know, to notice, but, that's one of the things I wanted to um I wanted to share that's I think helping to support racism because it's obviously saying in my opinion that it's second rate if it's not white. Like you gotta put that message that anything brown and have some kind of pigment in the organism, you know, rabbit or animal or person. So I wanted to share that. Um and other than that, I don't really have too much other than what I've shared, but I will share just one last thing. Um, I don't know if I shared that it was a white, the, the white man uh, where the black judge got his name on the, uh, the other courthouse. He made a comment to the other white people 
where he said, man, they should have named the courthouse after me. So uh, racism in that, I would say. And, and that's all I have to share. Thank you. Hmm. Much obliged. Uh, our caller at the courthouse. Never a dull moment in the system of white supremacy. Um, Two-way conversation. That is interesting jargon. I put that right in there when they talk about like diversity and equity and inclusion and privilege. A two-way conversation. What does that mean exactly? They have three-way conversations? Four-way conversations? One-way conversations? Hmm. And then they give out now even the time and energy of all that. Like, did somebody seriously sit down and they crank out one form that we're going to give to our troublemaking niggers? And on that one, we'll put two way conversation. And then we go to give it out to everybody else in the click or whatever. We just say, oh, it's just an employee survey. (laughs) What? What? What in the world? And yes, I would believe in the system of racism, white supremacy. Yes, you would have people who would sit around and do things like that try and pull one over on you for whatever the reason like oh if, oh wow we had a two-way conversation they are really taking racism seriously and everybody's like, what two-way con- i just got an employee survey word masters um the oh i lost my oh there it is um I don't even know what that is like to come up and joke and say what do you say the girl who has two black eyes is it domestic violence awareness week like what what is why is that anything to joke about now that's another one you can flip that around now if that had been an old toxic patriarchal black male telling that sort of joke about a female having two black eyes hmm it's got uh Oriental James overtones to it. Like, I don't exactly think that's funny. Even if it had been a male, really. Like, why are we talking about beating up somebody and somebody having black eyes in a workplace? Why is that? You thinking about socking somebody? Even the jokes always got that current of violence uh, with them. Why is that? They continue. Said, uh, and then it continuing with the jokes. She said the white woman can say, "What do you, what do you call, what was it, uh, uh, uh what they called the joke that gets dirty, or, and it was a, a white horse that falls in the mud." Like <laughs> what? Yeah. What? What do you even, even on a symbolic level, like what? Is this some sort of blackface thing? Like what? And then you're just sitting around and telling it. Now that too, the fact that you're telling the same joke about a white horse getting darkened and you just keep telling this same joke like it's been five years do you know President Obama was in the White House and you were telling the exact same joke about the white horse (laughs) that's a good one oh Carol you're so funny Mm -hmm. I would say that now just I've said consistently about those metaphors and things that why does everything keep coming back to the white and black? Why is that? Seems like that's at the forefront of your mind, what you think about all the time. Hmm. Uh, they continue 
all of the holiday stuff, I'm in total agreement. Like, you know, I'm not participating. No, I don't want to decorate the tree. I don't want to carve the pumpkin. I don't want to go out for green beers. I'm good. I don't want to do a Easter egg hunt around the courthouse. I'm good. And then they insist. He said they, they came in before they had the tacky uh, decorations. And they were going to have the uh, tragic arrangement wedding at the courthouse. And they came and stole some of the balloons. He said, I didn't want balloons anyway. I already told you. I'm, I'm chilling. We're not celebrating. I'm good. You can take them all. It's all right. They came and got the balloon. And then she went and said, oh, no. Come and get it. Put his balloon back. That's, that's his balloon. We want him to appreciate it. <laughs> Put it back in the corner. Like, what? I said, I, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need a balloon. I'm not a child. Like, what? Man, they got to come around for Easter. I can't even just get a white Easter bunny like everybody else. You can give me a Playboy bunny, right? Now I can be in like everybody else. Put my little white bunny up there. East, even give me bugs, right? You can put bugs up. Nah. They come around the segregated area and we get the Negro bunny. And they don't even just put up the Negro bunny. They put up a Negro bunny and say, all bunnies welcome. Every bunny's welcome. That's what he said. Every bunny's welcome. Hmm. Doesn't get any better than tacky. Now, I think back when I was more confused, I would have just seen them. And go, oh, that's so funny. That's right. Love all the funny. Like, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Why is that even up in the first place? Like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, something niggerized about the money. I mean, that that it almost makes it assume that we might have a problem with this old Negro money. The dark horse that fell in the mud, the Negro bunny, like, eh, eh, eh. Supposed to be white, white horse, white bunny, white secretary, white employees at the courthouse, white warden, white. They had a black person set it up. (laughs) Of course, of course, of course. (sighs) Good. They just kept walking past me. They kept doing what now? They they just kept walking past. I I just think that it was just the, the confusion, you know. And I was just <laughs> I was just sitting there, and it, uh, the black supervisor walked up to another black person and recommended to set it up. And she got both of the decorations, put the brown rabbit where the white person sit, and the white rabbit where she sits at. And they just set it up just like it was nothing at all. And the white customer that they pointed it out, a white woman, said, oh, that's just so, that's just so funny right there. Instead of saying everybody's welcome, everybody's welcome. White people understand, in my opinion, you don't even get that if you don't understand racism, white supremacy. Like, you got to get that. If white people were ignorant about racism, white supremacy, they wouldn't even get that. Like, what's the joke? What do you mean? Everybody's, I don't, I don't understand. What's the problem with the black bunnies? What's, what's going on? <laughs> that's what they would sound like. Not, oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Like, yeah, you're not ignorant about racism. You know, you know, everybody is not welcome black bunny come up in here if he wants to he's a raping bunny get on out of here hit the panic button for him too 
Um, the white fella that comes in and see all that vindictiveness. See, he said the white woman. I don't even know what she was having a grudge about. He said it seemed like she had some sort of grudge, too. Why? What are you upset about? A black person that did something against you. They kept you from getting a raise. They kept you from getting a promotion, a bonus. They took your parking place, the parking place. What? They got the promotion you wanted. What? White women in every uh, work group, white people, period. But I've seen it, especially with white women. Vindictive, man. It crossed me. I'm going to hold on to it forever. Like, are you serious? White man comes out there, black male. Who knows what this black male had to endure? Now, you're working in Florida for all these years at the courthouse. Jesus Christ. He could have been killed. He endures all that, and they will honor him, put his name on the courthouse. So why they should put my name on the courthouse. Really? You're that jealous? What have you done, white man? Let's hear your credentials. Why should we put your name on the courthouse? Let's hear it. Just shouldn't be that nigger. That's about it. <laughs> like you worked here that long, you worked here that hard. Did you go down and help them put on the Elvis performance for the people that were going to come through and get married? That's why you should have your name on the courthouse. Like really? That's what it means to be white, right there. Spiteful and mad about that. They got this nigger's name up on the courthouse. Mm. Oh, ceremony for him. Mm. But everybody is welcome. All day long, tacky. Sit around me. Who even is thinking? He said that ceremony happened a long time ago. I think that was even before Black History Month. Like, why are you still even on that? Like, you just woke up. You come in every day. Like, you drive past. Like, mm, got that nigger's name. <laughs> like, are you serious? We got mask mandates worried about all these other things happening in Florida and what have you. They had tornadoes in New Orleans this week and you mad because they got a Negro's name on the building that they did like months ago. What it means to be that's the Florida cracker right there, right there. That whole spirit, everything (laughs) walk around being mad about nonsense, holding a grudge about silliness, looking to mess over some black people, segregated air, all of it. Florida Cracker, what it means to be white. Let's see. Yeah, I can leave there. Uh, I will presume we nabbed all of our folks and see any extra sly late hands that got in uh, while I was not paying attention. So I'll assume folks are satisfied for their Friday. Uh, we should be here for the compensatory call-in Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I'll try and make sense of what has happened uh, over the past few days. Uh, now that it is springtime, certainly deal with the situation uh, in the Ukraine, the tacky Supreme Court nomination process. That could have been workplace racism as well, because I certainly heard uh, work environment seemed like that could have been could have been both easily, but lots more to chat it up uh, for tomorrow. I uh, hope folks are taking advantage of the warm weather that if anything, if you are dealing with some mental health issues in the workplace, if it's been a stressful time for you, it's getting a little bit warmer. Try to get outside. I know that's one thing. If you are feeling depressed, frustrated uh, when you're being stagnant, uh, just kind of staying in the house and 
moping around, consuming alcohol or eating too much or not eating at all, not getting enough rest or resting too much. That can just really exacerbate things. Try to get up, get outside, get some sunlight. Uh, you can go out since it's uh, light a little bit later now. You can go out. You don't have to go directly home uh, if you leave the plantation. Uh, if there's a park or anything, any sort of outdoor activities that are near you, you can go outside, get a walk in, get a hike in or whatever, get some sunshine on your body. That can do wonders, even getting your mind actively moving uh, and thinking about solving your situation as opposed to just kind of soaking and ruminating in the, the frustration uh, and depression of it all. Uh, that can just be really vicious and can be exacerbated if you're just, as I said, consuming alcohol, consuming a lot of sugar or a lot of bad food, unnecessary calories and what have you. That can just make a, a really tough situation way worse. So be mindful of your mental health making sure you are not hitting your so-called breaking point. Reach out for help if you need it. We'll be here in about 24 hours. Uh, let's see. Sobriety would be best, man. Said it repeatedly. The system of white supremacy does so much just to terrorize us on a regular basis that we are looking for any sort of comfort frequently. And especially if you're in isolation, you don't have that companionship, someone else or someone's uh, to kind of help you deal with all of this. Those narcotics, a little sip of this or smoke of this can, you know, seem like, hey, at least that'll help me get through all of this. And frequently that just adds to the problems. Sobriety would be best. We will need high functioning brain computers to solve our problems uh, in addition to being sober if you're out and about this is not a time for confrontations with strangers uh, you should be thinking this person could be armed they could have an entire entourage if you didn't leave your residence prepared to die and or kill exit if you're in a vehicle you're buckled not on the cell phone paying attention to what's happening around us and sober uh, we need all of our conscious, focused, making sure we are safe as best we can. Uh, and then we're trying to do the small things to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately no name calling no gossiping small things we can do to solve this problem no playing around with sex major one we can do to solve this problem Cal signing up thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed I'm a victim your brother problem. you're a victim yeah. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm-hmm even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>